Welcome to episode 200 of the MCU Fan Show. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our spoiler review of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode six, One World, One People, directed by Kari Skoglund, written by Malcolm Spellman and Joseph Sawyer, with Spellman being the head writer of the series. But before we get into our review, I just want to take a few moments to let you know about some of the exclusive podcasts that we have available on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R. And that includes Patreon credit scenes, where the corresponding Patreon credit scene for episode 200 of MCU Fan Show will feature our thoughts on the teaser trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the news that Captain America 4 is already in development, and some really exciting casting news for Secret Invasion with Olivia Colman and Amelia Clark joining the series. We also have Fan Show Plus, where I talk about other things that are happening in the world of streaming, and it often focuses on spoiler reviews of other streaming series and films that are ongoing. But for this next edition of Fan Show Plus, I'm going to be breaking down the Disney-Sony deal as it pertains to Spider-Man movies around or arriving eventually on Disney+, Plus, what it means and what it doesn't. And we also have another exclusive series called Fan Show Biz, where I talk about the business of entertainment, and that often includes movie theaters and streaming. And on the next edition of that show, I'll be expanding on the Disney-Sony deal, even more so than I do in Fan Show Plus, looking at the bigger picture for Sony Pictures, because they have another deal with Netflix, as well as the state of movie theaters, after we got some disappointing news this month that Pacific Theaters and the Arclight are closing. So for more on all of those exclusive podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, or just hit the link in our show notes. And also make sure you're following us in all the places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you are enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much to all of you who have taken the time to do so already. We really do appreciate it. And now, on with our show. Two hundred episodes later, how you doing, Paul Herman? I totally forgot it was two hundred episodes till literally you just told me, and I'm blown away. I totally forgot. And there's kind of two anniversaries today. Uh, we're celebrating my daughter's first birthday, which was Tuesday, but we're celebrating it today with some a few family members, and which is you know obviously a big deal. And I totally forgot that we're on episode two hundred. Now I know. That's the official counting of this show, but we've been doing so many shows together, Sean. It feels right. like it's been like like a thousand. But no, this is a this is special because this is the one that we've we did our Road to Infinity War on, and mm-hmm. and and a lot of people connected to that. And I feel like a lot of people, um, just in the last two hundred episodes, to be honest, have really have connected to so many amazing people who listen to the show. And I just appreciate everyone who does, and I know as you do. But uh, yeah, this has been. Um, such a such an amazing experience to do with a, a good friend like you, Sean. And, you know, it's just it's talking about something we all love, like Marvel and and the fact that, you know, people keep coming back to, you know, to listen to us. And, you know, it's it's special. It really is special. I want to say thank you to everyone for, you know, and obviously you, Sean, for having me on all the time with you as a co-host. It's it's amazing. And, you know, it's uh, it's an honor to be on the show and, and working with you and, and hearing all the people that listen to us. It's 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 a humbling experience, honestly. It is crazy to think about 200 episodes and right back at you for all of that. I mean, it, when we talk about anniversaries, happy birthday, of course, to Lulu. But no. um, most important thing, obviously. Yes. Um, yes. With that said, this is also as anniversaries go. I don't know what the exact date was. I guess I could go back and look it up. But 
this is also 10 years of you and I being on podcast together. So to that point that you said about, cause that was, that all started in March, April-ish 2011. Yeah. And so yeah. it's been 10 years of doing that. And you're right. It has been more than 200 episodes. Cause when you go through different iterations of modern myth media and that show went on for its own 200 plus episode run. So it's been a lot. And in the various iterations of this show, although it's all been one feed for yeah. the most part and had a few different names, Making Mine Marvel and then Marvel News and then Marvel Studios News and then MCU Fan Show with the latest and hopefully last change to the yes. title of the podcast last year. And it's been a blast. And I know we've had some of you who've been listening to us the entire time, even going back to the Modern Myth Media days or Batman on Film podcast days for me or but, you know. Thank you to anybody who's put up with us that long. But for anybody who's found us more recently, I know a lot of people jumped on with the Road to Infinity War series that we did a few years ago or the In the Endgame series that we did a couple of years ago, getting ready for the huge culmination of the Infinity Saga. And that was so much fun. But we've also had a lot of people who found the show this year with WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and these spoiler reviews. And as I always say, when we're talking about Marvel fandom, MCU fandom, or MCU fan show fandom and listenership, don't really care when you got here. Just appreciate the time that you have spent here. And we're just glad that you're here now and listening to this because it's so much fun talking mm -hmm. about and analyzing. Because this is all stuff that I'm going to be doing in my brain anyway, of breaking down and analyzing admittedly overanalyzing everything that we get from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's just nice to have a place where I can share that, express myself and hang out with one of my good friends, Paul Herman, mm -hmm. and just talk about all this stuff. And then it's really humbling. And we really appreciate the point that you all actually take time out of your schedules to listen to it, because mm -hmm. there are a lot more podcasts now than there were when we started. I mean, they were playing yeah. when we started. We didn't invent it. Um, but and there's a lot of stuff out there that people can listen to. So the fact that you give us any of your time, uh, we really do appreciate that so much. And so as far as the celebration of the 200th episode, in some ways it feels small, not just because of the history of podcasts that predate this one, but also when you factor in the Patreon, it's getting close to 1,200 shows that I've done uh, over the course of this podcast, and most of those within the last few years since we launched the Patreon. So uh, that's just another shameless plug of letting you know there's a lot of other exclusive podcasts out there at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R. Just hit the link in the show notes. Um, but in going into the 200th episode, I thought, should we do something all on its own? But we already kind of did that. And when I did the math in my head and I saw, well, wait a minute, the way this schedule lays out, episode 200 will be the finale of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier if I just left it as it was and just carried on with the schedule, the spoiler reviews. And I can't really think of a better way to celebrate a milestone for the podcast than with a milestone of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the milestone mm. of this specific series, with this being the finale of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and celebrating a brand new Captain America in Sam Wilson, as played by Anthony Mackie. So that's really as good as it gets for episode 200. It is a spoiler review for episode six of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, One World one people. So let's go ahead and let's do that. And I'm going to do things a little bit differently this week. We're mostly going to go in order, but we I'm not going to go in specific shot order, though, of this episode, because there's a lot of things that are happening simultaneously 
and it's cross-cutting between all of those things. And so just for the sake of being a little more organized, uh, we will talk about these sequences and some of them will kind of overlap and we'll jump ahead a little bit and then jump back to what was happening meanwhile, uh, which will make more sense when we actually get to it. So I'll stop explaining the show and actually have the show now. So we open up with the movement is ready. Carly and her fellow Flag Smashers were picking up pretty much right where we left off. They've taken over this GRC meeting and they're trying to stop the vote on the Patch Act, which would reset a lot of borders post blip. And so we see they're ready for their takeover or they're already they've already begun, but they're still holding because they're waiting for Sam, as we're going to see in, in just a moment. And we also see that even though Bucky and Sam were kind of sidelined last week, I guess they're welcome here because when Bucky shows up, they're just like, oh, hey, Sergeant Barnes. And they just let him right through. Uh, so Sam and Bucky, I guess, have some official designation to be here and, and deal with this flag smasher threat. Uh, we also learn that Sam called for backup. Wouldn't you know it? Everyone's favorite, Sharon Carter, wearing one of those cool digital face masks that Natasha Romanoff used in Captain America the Winter Soldier for your MCU callbacks. And Carly waits to see Sam in flight before uh, beginning the takeover with the GRC, which is not just lo- which actually is not locking everyone in the building. It's getting them out, as they learn, is the plot for what uh, the GRC is up to. And really, though, Paula, the episode begins for me as soon as that shield comes crashing through the window. And <sighs> right before that, of course, we see our very first very fast glimpse of Sam in his ca- of Sam Wilson in his Captain America costume mm-hmm. tossing that shield through the window uh, smashing right into a flag smasher and then someone asks who are you i'm captain america <sighs> we get another quick little reference i thought captain america was on the moon so they still want us to know steve rogers is out there and all that but just it looks amazing just talking about the suit first yeah One of, and I think you would agree, one Mm. of the most direct page-to-screen costume translations I think we've ever seen, not just in the MCU. I mean, in all of live-action superhero adaptations across movies and television, this one is pretty spot-on. I don't really see... I mean, there's obviously little differences here and there, Mm -hmm. but the spirit of the design and even just most of the actual design itself, I mean, the only thing I would compare this to is the 2012 edition of Captain Marvel with that reboot with Kelly Sue DeConnick and uh, Jamie McKelvey. Mm-hmm. And they used that costume for the Captain Marvel, the first Captain Marvel film in 2019. It kind of goes up there, but even with this Sam Wilson suit, it might even be more direct than that. But regardless of how faithful it is to the comic books, which it's very faithful, it just looks yeah. amazing. Sam looks I said it at the end of last week, I wanted to see him. I was looking forward to seeing him soar as Captain America, and we got mm-hmm. all that and more this week, and this costume is phenomenal. Yeah, so everyone who who knows me from these last 200 episodes and has listened to me kind of go on and on about costumes, I'm a big costume guy. I love costumes and masks. That's why I love this, you know, superheroes, basically. And what this was, and again, I'm, I'm not like this... I'm not, I'm going to say it right now. I'm not a giant, uh, cap, you know, or a Steve, I'm sorry, Sam Wilson, Captain America, like, you know, whatever, like fan, as far as like a diehard, I like the character and I love, and I love the character, but I'm not like a diehard fan of it, you know, where I, I bleed that, that costume, you know, straight tra- translation. So, you know, I've done a lot of research recently for, you know, my, my YouTube page of doing the, the, uh, the comic books and things like that. So I've read and looked at a lot of pictures of, of Sam as Captain America and it was, and I stay away from spoilers and I did see a toy of it 
for a second last mm-hmm. week before the, the show came out. And I just kind of was like, okay, that looks pretty close. But it was a, literally a blurry picture. I kind of just, I, well, you know, I, when I, I saw, away. there were a couple of toys that I saw and I almost didn't believe them when I saw it. I was like, mm. that's got to be a fake or somebody is assuming that's from the show, but that just looks like the comic book one to me. And it's, it's mm-hmm. never that close. So it almost, it really had, yeah. it genuinely had me doubting that really? those toys were the real deal for the show just because we don't see translations quite this direct. Yeah. And so when I, so when I saw that, I just kind of said, huh, okay, cool. I mean, again, I, I didn't look at it very long. I didn't want to save it for the, for the show. And I was like you blown away how it was almost like panel for panel, uh, yeah. you know, every, stitch for stitch, like straight from the comic book. And I'll be, I'm going to be very honest with you. And it's, it's I want to say it sounds like being brutal here, but the white was so white. I was like, whoa, this is really kind of abrasive to be quite honest. I'm like, this is a little, it kind of sticks out in a kind of a, almost a cheesy way, but the hold on now. And when I say that, I just wasn't expecting it to be that white, like just that like glaring. Cause again, I thought they might mute the color a little bit more. Well, I always thought we just wouldn't get the neck sock. I thought it would just go to like a collar on the suit and then nothing over the neck and then just Falcon goggles is what I thought we would get. Yeah. No, that's a great point. The the next sock and is is a little bit like was I wasn't expecting that. It's a very, you know, superhero kind of thing. And it was really cool. And I as and I will say, as he I kept I mean, seeing Steve Rogers hasn't been able to wear one since 2012. Well, see, that was I was just about to get there. So as I kept watching it on screen and I kept kind of, you know, and I said I saw him move again. You gotta see I don't you know, you can see him stand around in it and it's, and it's kinda it is a little jarring at first. Cause it is, it's like bright colors don't always like go well on screen because they just, you know, they're bright. That's why they always try to give these superheroes darker colors. They just, they just come on the screen a little bit better, depending on what the kind of mood you're kind of going for. Now Captain America, it makes sense to have bright colors. Right. And so you, what you kind of take it as you go. So when it came on screen, it just kind of was jarring. I'm like, Oh man, it's, I'm not sure how it's going to look. But as the story ran and as as, as Sam, you know, was fighting as Captain America, I, I, I loved it. And it mm-hmm. reminded me exactly of my love for the 2012. And again, not, not because of the neck uh, costume part, neck sock, but because, well, cause I love the neck sock. I'm not going to lie. Um, so that whole costume is, you know, that cap costume was so comic accurate. I mean, you, it's almost like literally stitch for stitch too. And I, and I also love how accurate it is because of the colors. And I kind of, you know, hit me in the head. I'm like, you know, if people have a problem with that 2012 costume, but they love this, um, you know, come on, guys. You know, let's be real. Let's 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 uh, let's be real with everything. But all regardless, I I've ended up loving the costume, and mm-hmm. it did take a little time to get used to. Because again, I just a white. It's really white. It's it's pretty jarring to be quite honest. But again, I loved his entrance. I love the fact that he says, you know, I'm Captain America, and yep. I and I also love. But it wasn't like a way where it was like super, you know, dramatized or no, like straight oh, business. It, exactly. It's like, yeah, I'm Captain America. I'm, I'm, I got things to do. Yeah. Like, OK, cool. you asked me my name. I told you I got stuff exactly. to do. Exactly. It's he he's taking ownership of it and not and, and it's and we're not being hit over the head like this is your Captain America, you know, get ready to buy your stuff. It's like, no, it's it serves a purpose of the story. And I just love that. And I love the fact that Sam as we'll talk in this episode, it just owns this, this new version of Captain America, but it's still the spirit of what Steve stood for. So this opening was, 
I, I, I actually, before, um, for, you know, put behind the curtain a little bit for podcasting, uh, I was, we didn't know exactly what time we were going to do a show at. We have a rough estimate, but I was, um, I, I just put my daughter to, uh, for a nap and I was, I wanted to watch the episode before we, uh, we got on, which I don't do very often. And I wanted to watch it. And I remember right before you called me, Sean, I was watching that intro and I'm sitting there like, man, this intro is so good. It, it's yeah. so good. It's, it's. This um this intro might be my favorite like beginning of any MCU show so far maybe I mean yeah it's it's season finale and you you know it's it's I, mean, I don't know if it's like too on the nose for me but I just everything about this introduction just it was a great payoff and it didn't waste time and that's something that you talked about last week too is don't waste time just get right into it and they did it was like l- literally three minutes I think before you see Sam Wilson throw that shield in the freaking window and it was. Awesome. Well, so, there was no need to beat around yeah. the bush at all. We know exactly. what he was doing. We knew what was in that case that Bucky had dropped off from Wakanda. He opened it up last week, and we could tell by the reaction. I mean, we already knew what was in it already, but we yeah. knew he was going to wear it. And there was a shot of him flying in from behind where you can't see any detail on the suit, but you know that's what it is. There was no... It, it, well, plus his previous Falcon costume was busted, right, with his wings. Right. So, like, there was no chance it was anything but this. And... I agree that it was the right call to just not waste time and also not do the whole like Netflix daredevil thing where you wait until the the last Ugh. 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it was of the finale yeah. to give us the full actual superhero costume. And so this one, we get it for the entire episode and it looks great. And the colors were never an issue for me. I thought the colors look great. The only issue that I had is, yeah, sometimes the neck sock did kind of bunch up a little bit, uh, which is just what happens when you don't draw something on a human being. They actually (laughs) wear it. So um, I that stuff, I can live with it because in most other instances, like it looked, as I said, phenomenal, looked like a million bucks. And especially when Sam is in flight as Captain America. Oh, oh, it looks so good. Just amazing, amazing suit. Um, But I also like that, uh, as you were pointing out there, that. The way he said, I'm Captain America, so matter of factly, and he didn't hesitate after he said it as if he's waiting for some sort of permission or acknowledgement, like, I'm Captain America. Did you buy that? No, just I'm Captain America on with the mission. And even though we're talking about how great the suit is, Sam is still humble about it because when Batrock shows up, because remember, Batrock is here, uh, Uh he's talking about the suit and wonders how much it's worth because Sam cost him a lot of money way back in the first episode of this series. And Batrock is wondering how much that new bird costume is worth. And Sam's just saying a baguette and maybe a few French fries. And then Batrock says in French, the robes don't make the monk, implying that just because he's wearing a Captain America suit doesn't actually make Sam Captain America. And then we get a cool fight between these two characters. And I really love Sam's new Captain America offense because it has a lot of what's familiar about Mm -hmm. him as Falcon that we've become a lot more familiar with over the course of this show and the action sequences that we've had. But the way he now incorporates the shield into his moveset is so cool. I mean, we'll talk about the helicopter save later on when we get to that scene. But in this fight with Batroc, the way like he uses the thrusters on the back of his suit combined with the shield in order to have strike moves. And when he does the little kicking up the shield into Batroc later in this fight, just really cool stuff. So the action and the fighting for Sam Wilson as the new Captain America, like the suit looks great. But then it's even as great as it looks when Sam is standing still, it looks even better when in Sam movement. is on the move, whether mm-hmm. that's on the ground in a fight or up in the air. 
and yeah. I, I just loved it. This, this whole this fight between Sam and, mm-hmm. and Batrock was great. And this was a, a thing about this, Sean. This was a callback to Winter Soldier because, mm-hmm. and not because I mean, obviously it's Batrock, but I mean, yeah, because what does he say to him? He says, you know, I thought you were more than a shield. Exactly. He challenges Steve, and then Steve basically says, okay, I'll show you. And again, it's it it's both for the character and I think for the audience who are who are big uh, Cap fans in general of that maybe that film or the franchise. You know, this is the passing of the torch to basically for Sam's, you know, write a passage, if you will. Like this mm-hmm. is Batrock challenging him. Like, okay. You know, he, t- he tells, you know, uh, Steve in Winter Soldier, you know, you know, are you know, are you more than a shield? And she put, drops a shield and proves this Batrock. I'm Captain America. And I'm yeah. going to whoop your butt. And then here Sam says, I'm more than my costume in my name. And I'm going to kick your, you know, kick your crap out of you. So I love the fact that like it's a right that right a passage like both Captain America's had to prove this pompous jerk that. You know, they are Captain America. They are more than what yeah. the shield. They are more than the costume. Well, Sam's not even about. And this, by the way, is not like saying that Steve was prideful in on aboard the Lumerian Star and Captain America, the Winter Soldier. It's not that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam, in this instance, doesn't even finish the fight because he has to go save some people because there's a helicopter that's going to take off. And that's more important than knocking out Batrock and just True. making that decision. And also the way he throws the shield out the window and flies out and catches it. Just unbelievable I have one, I have- visual. I have one thing. I have one thing to ask. And, and I said it right out loud when I first saw it was when Batrock threw the chair and the shield hit it. Why didn't that, the chair not just shatter? Is that like full of animanium or something like that? Like, honestly, I mean, I don't know that the shield's ever been shown to break literally everything it touches. So I, I he threw the shield. I didn't. Like, I, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that it shouldn't have. Uh, you know, it, it shouldn't have been portrayed as if the chair was an even match for the shield where they both just kind of drop. So Thank I don't need you. the chair to to just, you know, completely break apart. But I also think the chair <laughs> stood too too much, too good of a chance. That's an oversight in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's fair. So uh, while this battle is happening, we get a conversation between Bucky and Carly. And it was really great to th- uh, to get this conversation because we haven't really had this between Bucky and Carly. We've had conversations between Sam and Carly, but not so much Bucky. And when we talk about what Carly is having a, a growing habit of doing, of taking lives, Bucky is one of the best people you could talk to about that or the worst, depending on your perspective. But initially, Carly is trying to recruit Bucky, and Carly is saying things like it doesn't matter if she doesn't survive. She's fighting for something bigger than herself. And I like that Bucky speaks directly to that to her, saying that that's all he ever tried to do was fight for things that were bigger than himself. And he failed twice, as he points out. And we, meanwhile, we see the Flag Smashers locking up these GRC officials in armored vehicles. And Bucky tells Carly, you think your cause justifies all this death, but in the end, the nightmares won't go away. You're going to remember all the ones you killed. Trust me, don't do this. Don't go down this path. And then Carly suggests that Bucky should just sit this one out, which Bucky obviously is not going to do. But those points that Bucky made to Carly were, were very real. But I also think that if you're looking at what Carly is doing in this episode, she's doing a lot of what Zemo said she was going to do. She's escalating. I've seen some criticism of this saying, why is Carly just doing all of this stuff? And and why is she, you know, getting more and more comfortable with killing people? Well, that's exactly what Zemo said would happen, that as she's becoming more, as she's falling more and more in love with her own cause and believing more and more in it, she's losing sight of why in the first place. And she's losing sight of, 
how she's losing sight of the point that how she achieves her goal is just as important as the goal itself because you can't really achieve this this peacekeeping mission that she sees herself being a part of, of trying to be better for everyone in one world, one people, that doesn't really hold up if you're the one appointing yourself judge, jury, and executioner of who lives and who dies. And we also see that the things that she's saying, she's stuck in these platitudes that young people could have a tendency to be stuck in, but, well, let's be real, it's not just young people, but given Carly's age as someone who's very young, like, she's saying things that I don't think she really questions or even fully understands, like, the whole thing of doesn't matter if she survives this, that she's fighting for something bigger than herself. And that's a very romantic way of looking at it, of fighting for a cause, uh, of being seeing herself and seeing her friends, her fellow Flag Smashers as these noble, heroic revolutionaries who are carrying out a cause that they're willing to, to die for, but they don't have to die for it. And no one else has to necessarily die for it. And that's something that, that's, a point that Carly has just closed herself off to seeing. And, and that's where I'm, I'm glad that Bucky spoke to that in this scene. Uh, unfortunately, Carly was not ready to hear that advice. Yeah, this was a, I like the stuff we're getting with Carly. I thought the flag smasher stuff was really, um, was, was a good, it was a, it was a, it was a good kind of um, end to the whole character. But in, because of scenes like this, that you're, you're seeing more of what Zemo was saying. And also to, to see Carly just kind of, trying to rationalize everything mm -hmm. and again adding not the sympathy card but this again you understand where the villain's coming from and especially especially when it's complex like this but it's a very direct um kind of a thing like a like straight up like i just want to like rule the world like a red skull that's fine like it, it, but i like it when you give more depth and understanding to the character like again you kind of get in a glimpse of their mind and I love these conversations with someone like bucky who kind of understands where she's coming from there's a line in what bucky says to her when he says, you know, I, I've, I've, I've fought for something more than myself yeah. and I've, and I've, I've fallen twice. And I love that. I love the callback to world war two and obviously infinity war. Um, at least I'm assuming that's what he is, uh, that's what he's uh, talking about. So, um, and I, I just, I love that. I love the fact we're getting like two characters and again, you're, and again, it's, it's character progression also for Bucky because Bucky, Yes, he, he as we're as we're going on, like you know, we're start, he's starting he's coming to terms with his own thing, and mm -hmm. and he's he's already come to terms with it, but we're seeing a progression of it. And I just love the fact that he's trying to kind of go the route of Sam a little bit right here. He's trying to you know get through to her somehow right. through explaining things. So I, I just, there's some great acting and some dialogue from Sebastian Stan and from God, I'm so bad with actresses' names. Um, Aaron Kellyman. Yeah, Kellerman, uh, which she just I I, I say I say it every freaking episode, Sean, and I say it with my friends when I when we watch the show together. I said out loud, I'm like, there is just something about her presence that I just she is so good. Like she just commands. Like she's 22 years old, 20 years old, whatever she is. She's like a teenager, maybe just whatever. She is she commands the screen better than the people that the other flag smashers that are are much older and probably more maybe a little more experienced in acting. I don't know. I'm assuming that. But the people she's commanding that are obviously older than she is, like she is commands it. I mean, granted, she has right. more scenes and dialogue, but it's more than that. Like the guy with the blonde black hair, he's fine. He's a fine actor, but like he, she just, there's a, there's a presence to her. And I just, every time she's on screen, she just is fascinating and interesting and, and just, she's a great actress. I can't wait to see her, what she does after the show. I mean, I, I, I still think Star Wars should give her some kind of emphasis nest, you know, 
treatment on like Disney Plus or something. The char- that character was great, but she's great. So I, I'm fascinated where she could go and not just there, but with Star Wars, but with Marvel. Wink, we'll get to that in a little bit. Well, I could certainly see based on the proliferation of Disney Plus series across Marvel and Star Wars. I mean, and then you factor in the popularity of her turn in this show that I could quite easily see Disney saying, yeah, let's do that Enfys Nest series. Um, that that just seems like something that'll probably happen. But as far as her performance in this show, I, I think she's been great. And it's a tall order to really sell the idea that she's somebody who is basically a kid, a misguided teenager, as Sam refers to her later in this episode. But people are following her. I mean, we see the other Flag Smashers that we are familiar with throughout the course of the show following her. But we also know that people all over the world have been following her and supporting her cause. And and so it's a lot for as an actor to sell that as a character. And I think Aaron Kellerman does a terrific job of that, where you buy into the idea that people would actually follow this very, very young person. But she does a great job with it, but also portraying how she's getting lost and and how Mm -hmm. everything that she says, in, in some ways, it almost sounds like it could possibly be a good thing of championing for this noble cause of just wanting one world, one people and standing up for people who are being displaced over matters that are no fault of their own. So all of that puts her on the side of right. But then what she's willing to do in order to achieve that is where she goes astray. And Bucky's line about you're going to remember all the ones you killed is particularly meaningful because when you consider Bucky saying that if you're going to remember all the ones you killed, we know that Bucky remembers all of them. He said it in Civil War and we've uh, he's expressed similar sentiments in this series. But Bucky remembers all the ones he killed and he never even chose to kill them. And so he's haunted by basically taking life takes a toll, even in Bucky's case, where he never even made the choice to take those lives as the Winter Soldier. He's still haunted by that. So he's really trying to get through to Carly saying, if you're going to choose to take these lives, just know uh, what that really is. Like, you don't want that. You think you're okay, and you think that because you're doing it for the right reasons that it's going to work out for you, but you you are going to remember, and those are not going to be fond memories. But it's not quite getting through to Carly in the way that uh, we would hope. So the battle continues. Bucky heads out on a motorcycle because now the GRC officials, some of them have been loaded up into armored vehicles and Sharon is with him initially Bucky goes out on the motorcycle Sharon stays behind and kills one of the super soldier flag smashers with mercury vapor amongst other things as she tells Sam while Bucky is uh, in his chase Uh, Sam finishes up his battle with Batrock as we said makes his flying leap out the window which looks great as he catches the shield and then we really get to see Sam up close in flight as Captain America, and he just soars, and he looks so cool, and he has Red Wing. He catches up to the helicopter that's also full of GRC officials who've been taken hostage, and he has Red Wing is back, a new Red Wing, probably vibranium, so it can't just be snapped in half as easily as the last one was, but he has Red Wing check for the hostages to see if any of them have had flight training, and a character named Isla just so happens to have had flight training. Now, You could argue that this is way too convenient, and I guess that's fair, but it's not like it's it's purely luck. I mean, Sam did check. If no one had flight training, then Sam probably comes up with a different plan. He just didn't have to. So it's a little convenient, but I was fine with it. Um, So uh, as I said, we are going a little bit bit out of order. I know there's other stuff that they cut to through this sequence, but we'll just talk about it all the way through. 
So we see the chopper that the Flag Smashers are flying uh, goes up against a New York Police Department chopper, and it's about to go down. So we see Sam make this really cool save for the pilots. But the best moment, though, is as he brings one of the pilots down on a bridge, the helicopter is still crashing down, and Sam just armors up with his wings, which I assume are vibranium, along with the shield to kind of create this armored cocoon that the chopper just skips right off of and goes over the bridge and down into the water uh, where no one is hurt. It just looked so cool. And then to see Sam, like he spreads out with the wings, full wingspan, and there's lights on the bridge, so you get a, a great look at it, and the crowd is just cheering this new Captain America. It's so awesome. Like that moment was just amazing. And then Sam resumes the chase for the, the hostage chopper, calls the play with Isla, lets her know about the countdown and all of that stuff. But I love how everything that happens, like when Sam ends up, when like they fly by this construction site, the other stuff starts dropping Sam, starts dropping into the water and Sam goes with it and he flies up out of the water, which also felt like a callback. It's not really, but it felt like Iron Man in 2012's The Avengers, because remember it opens with him under, or his first scene, he's underwater and he flies out in New York. So it kind of felt like that, but then his line, like, boy, you just earned this ass whooping. And then to remove the Flag Smasher pilot from the chopper, where he does that flipping shield throw and takes out the pilot, and then Isla takes over the controls and lands the chopper safely. That whole sequence was just awesome. So uh, forgiveness for a little bit of convenience for uh, Sam's plan. Uh, don't really care, because as I said, he would have had a different plan if there hadn't been anybody with flight training aboard, uh, aboard the helicopter. And it all just looked cool. The shield slash wing armored cocoon to save one of the uh, one of the police pilots, as well as what we saw there uh, with the way he got rid of the Flag Smasher pilot. It all just looked terrific. If we're complaining about someone, it's too convenient for him to save someone. I, I just, I'm like, listen, like, I, yeah, you could argue that, but you're nitpicking if you're like, it's, not you. Obviously, yeah. But. Well, it's only super. It's, I mean, it's a little convenient, but it's only convenient in a way that I would criticize if he didn't check and like oh right. thank goodness somebody was able to take those controls and like learn to help out he wouldn't have done that if he if red wing had come back right. and been like yeah none of these people have flight training and i think here and here's the deal okay first before i get into that in a second because i want to get to the good stuff uh one of the things that i love about this specific version of captain america meaning sam wilson is captain is the, we've already talked about it, but Falcon and Cap combined with a shield and the wings. It is such a phenomenal combination mm -hmm. because you think of the American Eagle, right? Even though it's a Falcon Eagle, you know, whatever. But you get what I'm saying. Like there's there's something very symbolic about the bird, and like even though it's it's you know not a real bird in the, in, the, in the show, but it's Red Wing and, and all that stuff. I, I just love the idea in the comic books. Again, you know, I did a video on, for YouTube about recommended reading. I talked about Rick Reminder's initial run of six issues of the all-new Captain America as Sam Wilson as Cap, his first adventure as Captain America. And I, I reading those comics years ago, I loved and fell in love with Sam Wilson as Captain America because of the idea of, of having Cap and Falcon as a two characters, essentially, or one character, essentially. And I love the idea of having the, different, the Falcon stuff with the Cap stuff. And, and then having that on the show and seeing that, on um, not just within the fights, but like actually as you know, he's Falcon at this point, right? He's, he's and I just love, that. I just love that. And one of the really cool things was my buddy who I was watching it with, he said, oh man, this is like so cool. Like this is like, he's still Falcon, but he's Captain America. I'm like, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's what I think that's what will always, you know, I love the original, uh, Brubaker, um, you know, Bucky cap story. I, I love that story. I always will love it. I will say that I think that 
Falcon Captain America is a lot more interesting on an aesthetic level because of, of what Falcon can do and, and all the cool things you can do with the costume and, and, and the symbolism of, I think of, of the, of the bird, the you know, American Eagle. And then you have the Falcon all kind of combining all those things together. It's a very interesting dynamic. And, and the symbolism of that is just, is so dynamic and cool that you can't get, you just can't like say it's not it, it. And you see it here with this helicopter scene that, it just, it looks so cool. It's so cool to see Captain America, this version of Captain America flying with someone mm-hmm. and, and, and using, and again, I love the, and I love Red Wing. Everyone knows I, I, I've always loved the Red Wing character just because I just love that callback to the comic books. And yeah, you don't want to, you can't just have a real bird. That's a little too, no, a little too out there, a little too out there, but a real bird time, also can't check for flight training. Exactly. And see, and that's what I love about it. I love the fact that we got, we got, red wing back it's got multiple red wings right and mm-hmm. so uh which i'm not will be blue wing white wing i don't know um but i love the fact that it's still using that the aesthetic that makes him captain america or falcon is being used here and we're seeing that on display and i love and also love the fact that now that's full uh, vibranium i'm assuming sean that you can't destroy red wing so like the last one right so right. Yeah, which I'm very excited about because I was very disturbed to see Red Wing die or get busted <laughs> yeah. up the very beginning. I was, I, was, I didn't like yeah. it. I was like, Carly's right. first victim. Um, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's so, where yeah. it all started. Was when she killed Red Wing. It's been all yeah. downhill yeah. from there. That was the so, key. Yeah, that was the key tipping point. Yeah. So I, I just this is such great stuff, and I, I got to call out to it to to man because um, we're still watching a TV show, and it's not a full length feature where it's 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 you know it's heavy in the effects, and as far as like, you know, when I was coming into it and I'm, I'm beyond impressed. There's a couple spots here and there in the series overall that I thought was kind of eh, but they have done such a great job of, I think, you know, putting the right money in the right places where they needed to. And this stuff with Falcon out, just, it looked great. Even though it was not on a T, you know, a giant screen that I was watching it on, I was watching on my home TV and I think I have a pretty dang good TV and I, it looked amazing. And I thought I was like, man, and I just, it looked great. And I gotta say like it, to have Falcon flying out using a red wing, you know, all CGI stuff, just, it looked great. I thought for, you know, what we were watching and it was, it's such a treat to see this, this version of Captain America with the Falcon aesthetic all, all into action right here was so, so cool. So the whole thing with like, it's too convenient to me. I, I, I buy into it for multiple reasons. One, I, it's it's superhero show, whatever. You, you know, unless we're watching The Watchmen or you're, you're going to get super serious about it and, and weird about or satire about it with like the boys on Amazon or whatever. Have, you, you do you do you. It was really I thought a great scene of setup of scene flight Red Wing of what he can do. It's just it was a it was a great kind of overall of seeing what Cap can do. Or this new version of Cap. Totally agree, and I thought it looked. Terrific. As far as the, I mean, the action choreography, the staging of everything I thought was great, but then also just the visual effects. It's a good call out by you that this stuff looked movie quality to me. Uh, It certainly showed that they spent a lot of money on this series and these Marvel Studios series and Star Wars, what we've seen on The Mandalorian in general, that Disney is... uh, they're opening up the they they are opening up the checkbook and they're not writing checks. Uh, but yeah, they are spending some money on these series and it shows up on screen in really great ways, such as this sequence. And I certainly appreciate that as a fan to not really sense that compromise of, of visual effects quality um, as we go from the big screen to the small screen on Disney Plus. But yeah, it, it was it all looked just so amazing. 
So while this is happening, Carly meets up with her fellow super soldiers and she expresses her willingness to kill the hostages that they're that they are taking. And the rest of the group isn't necessarily on board with that. And they're a little surprised by that. You could argue whether or not they really should have been surprised based on Carly's behavior as of late. But nevertheless, they were expecting to just use the hostages to negotiate but Carly's just pointing out that it's all about stopping the vote no matter what. So whether that's by holding them hostage or if we kill them, then they can't vote. Either way, as Carly puts it, uh, our message gets out to the world. And these are just more platitudes from Carly. More of that doesn't matter if we die. Movement is strong enough to continue without us. We hope for the best, prepare for the worst. And as she tries to sum all that up with their mantra of one world, it takes a minute and she has to repeat it before the rest of the group says one people. The rest of the super soldiers, those fellow Flag Smashers hesitating to finish the mantra when Carly starts it, I, I think really speaks to just how lost she is and that they recognize it. And maybe it's too late, they feel, to turn back because they don't stop right there. They continue the fight. But it also shows that Carly has lost it. And I mean, I, I think we've already seen that previously in the episode and throughout the series, but... I think this really sums it up where she's lost it. She has traded her cause for, at this point, just a fight. And she does have an inflated sense of her own self-importance. And I know it seems like that wouldn't be the case because she's actually saying it doesn't matter if we die. The movement, is, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than us. Okay, great. But I still say inflated sense of self-importance because she's putting herself in a position that she doesn't deserve to be in and that she is... She takes issues with other people being in a position of power to decide who lives, who dies, where people go, where they can't, and all of that. But she's putting herself in that exact same position. Yeah. Now she's appointing herself as the one who gets to decide who should die, who gets to live, what's okay, what isn't okay. And so she's not just sacrificing herself. She can speak to that and her willingness to sacrifice herself, but she's ready to sacrifice a whole lot more people uh, who don't have agency in that choice in the way that she does. So as just as Zemo said she would, she is escalating, which just begs the question of what exactly Sam is going to do about it. But we'll get to that uh, later on in the episode. Uh, we do get some action of Bucky taking on some flag smashers as we cut away from this. He launches, he uses the motorcycle to launch himself into Dovich and we get a fight. And then Carly Lee, uh, gives Bucky someone to save because she sets the hostage vehicles on fire and just as things are looking like uh, Bucky is outnumbered, who shows up? John Walker is back with his brand new, yet still crummy, Captain America shield that doesn't hold up uh, over the course of this battle. Um, but when Walker shows up, Carly says that she didn't mean to kill his friend, uh, that she didn't want to hurt. She doesn't want to hurt people that don't matter. And uh, Walker says, you don't think Lamar's life mattered? Well, it didn't matter to her fight. Um, but of course that doesn't make a difference to Walker. So the fight is on. And, uh, so while John Walker is taking on the super soldiers, we see Bucky saving some of the hostages in the burning vehicle. He gets a thank you and he actually appreciates that. Thank you. So I don't think that might be the first time anybody's thanked Bucky for saving them. Cause that really hasn't been his role in his history as a winter soldier. So the fact that they focused on that, I mean, they took the second to have that moment I thought was important for Bucky and I appreciated it. And we see John Walker's shield getting beat up right away. And as Walker is getting stomped by these super soldiers, he's looking at one of his medals, uh, which we saw him attaching to the shield last week. 
Um, Bucky jumps into the fight. We get a lot of parking meter offense, uh, weirdly, in this <laughs> action sequence, uh, which was fine. Nothing against it. I mean, it's a large, heavy metal object that, sure, you can wield They're for destructive streets. purposes. Like, I'm, I'm good with it. Um, Bucky gets knocked down into a construction site, and we get a cool superhero landing uh, for him, which was uh, mm-hmm. awesome. But the big moment of the sequence is John Walker's choice. So if we are looking for a potential redemption arc or path to redemption for John Walker, we maybe get the first step in this one. So as he's battling Carly, she sets up a hostage vehicle to fall down into the same construction site where Bucky just fell. And Walker has a choice to make. He can either pursue revenge and continue his fight with Carly or he can save the people in that car that's about to fall, and he chooses to make the save. So John Walker actually chooses to do the right thing, chooses to make the save, or at least try. He doesn't succeed because the Flag Smashers intervene. And so I know that there's some question about, and and we'll get to it, uh, I have some criticisms of it as the episode goes on, but... I don't have I don't feel as strongly about some of the John Walker stuff and maybe some people feeling like the redemption is happening a a little too quickly. I don't see this as a complete redemption arc in one episode. What I see is somebody taking the first step, the first steps toward possible redemption. So John Walker making one good choice here does not make him does not make up for the wrong that he's done in the past or anything like that. But for him to make the right choice, I think could ultimately be a we could look back on and say that this was eventually and say this was a turning point for him as a character, depending on where he goes from here. And so I did like that moment. Um, so it's a choice that puts him on a new, hopefully better path. Uh, but as I said, he doesn't uh, he doesn't succeed. Sam ultimately has to make the save. And that's where we see him, as you said, little mini wings uh, that Sam has to hold up the vehicle. Those were kind of Iron Man-esque, like the ones that, uh, mm-hmm. that Tony used to put the boat back together in Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, and then finishing that save with everybody watching and, you know, you have somebody calling out uh, Black Falcon and the other guy says, nah, that's Captain America. Uh, indeed, uh, that was awesome. But we'll talk more about the Sam Cap stuff, of course, as we go on. But uh, I liked the the reemergence of John Walker here. Man, you put so much in there. There's so much to talk about. Like this could be a whole show, just a whole this whole thing right here, in my opinion, honestly. Um, the John Walker stuff. I want I love John Walker. I've been, I have been upfront and honest about it. I, I don't obviously agree with the things he does, but I like the character because I, I think the character represents a lot of just what people kind of deal with. I think on a, on, a, on a regular basis, as far as I think just, you know, losing control. And I think that there's, and there's consequences to losing control. And I think that, you know, he was brought to it. And, and sometimes those things that, you know, again, you can kind of, I love the fact that you can also sympathize or sympathize, sympathize in a sense to where you can understand where he's coming from a little right. bit. And, and again, it's not black and white. It's, it's great. And that's essentially, even though he wears eventually all black, he's a very great character. And I love that about John Walker is that there's things about him that you can like, there's things about him you can hate. And that's mm-hmm. what makes, that's what makes John Walker a great character. And that's what, uh, Wyatt Russell is killing it as John Walker because I think a lot I don't think it's a slam dunk that people all just hate John Walker there's a lot of people who like him like this version of the character so he's playing the part perfectly in my opinion and I'll get to more of that later but as far as this scene I, I agree with you this was not a redemption part but I definitely I, I honestly was yelling out 
redemption, redemption. <laughs> I was saying that not yeah. because this was going to justify anything, but like you said, it was the start. I think this was like the yep. the ease of the people who are like, oh, John Walker is the worst prison. You know, again, I, you can have that opinion. That's Look, fine. Y'all still ahead. love Loki and he's done worse. Yeah. And, and but here's the thing. The thing with with him is I think what's look at. Yeah. Loki's a great example, but I, I want to get kind of crazy here. But think about like a Jamie Lannister for a minute. Like that guy, mm. at least a lot of people hated Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones. And then as the series went on, I don't want to get into, you know, too deep into this, but you know, like people right. like the character a lot more and because he became, he, he understood where he come from. He did a lot of awful things, but then by the time he got to like towards the middle end of the season, people liked, liked that character a lot more and to like love the character. So if people can love a Jamie Lannister or a Loki, they can like a John Walker and see how he kind of is this. He's very much a misguided person. And I think that this was a great example of what he, he does have redeeming qualities. He's not just this also awful selfish jerk that we saw. Yes. I think what makes him interesting is the fact he is a flawed character. He's not captain America. And that was my whole point when he was made captain America is that John Walker is supposed to be not like he's everything. Steve Rogers isn't. And I think we get that in this whole sequence, right? Because even when he saves the people, the symbolism of him dropping the shield is a big moment because mm. he's accepting that he's not Captain America. Right. And I love that. I love the fact he he throws it. Like it's it's not it's again, I love for the character and symbolism for what it represents of like I am not, you know, even though he hasn't said it, that's what it is. And I love that. And I love the fact that it, this is him accepting his his role of what he is and i think that there was a the part where they're beating on him and he's looking at his medal of honor i almost thought that he was like basically like i'm this is my this is what i've uh basically he's accepting his death at that point like that's what i took it as and he was ready to die and you know for you know for for his friend and trying to you know to justify that or trying to justify but trying to you know do what was right and i you know i think there's going to be um, you know, there's going to be callbacks to this, that what he did. Don't, don't be wrong. I don't think this is going to be left alone by any means, but I do think that John Walker will, will take, will have repercussions for what he's done for the rest of his life. And I think that that's kind of what he's going to be dealing with and will make him interesting. He'll try to bury it because that's who he is. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's an egomaniac in a lot of ways, but he's also like going to be guilt ridden and that will make, I think that's where we're going to see the redemption is he's going to come to terms eventually with what he did or how that was wrong instead of justifying it. So yeah. I, for me, I, there was a lot of great John Walker stuff in this fight scene. And I think that like when he said, you don't think Lamar mattered, I just love that because you know, he, he wanted to get justice for his friend. I mean, maybe he probably wanted to kill her too. I don't know, but I just, it was really, it was a good moment as far as like seeing him just like just, Again, Carly's misguided too, right? And like she said that to him, and he's just like, it just makes you kind of understand like why he was so upset in the first place before you know they killed Lamar, and or you know and everything. It's just I don't know. It just it was good to see kind of a, a difference between someone who just didn't care about you know a life to like someone who was like who lost control kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're both wrong, but you kind of see the difference between the, the two. And I thought that was it was good to kind of show that on the screen. But the fight scenes were great. I mean, seeing Falcon come in and doing all that and emphasizing the fact that he is not a super soldier. And I like that because it, it's going to set up an eventual in the speech later on right. what, what it represents. And I love that. I love the fact that John Walker has it. 
and you know he saved it, but he still couldn't do it. Showing you that you don't need super soldier serum to be a hero. You know, sometimes you just need the tools around you to be the hero. And that's again, it keep going in symbol, you know, keep talking about in symbolism and things like that and symbolics and whatever, but that's what it is. I mean, and Captain America, Captain, you know, Sam Wilson, Captain America is literally the symbolism of, you know, use what's around you, the tools that are around you to be the hero. And that's what makes you the hero. Right. I mean, both in the social worker standpoint and the superhero standpoint or whatever. And I love that. And this is an example. You're seeing it because John Walker couldn't do it. And it was, you know, so I, I love to see that it was, it was cap the real captain America saving those people right. at the end. Well, I think John Walker could have done it were it not for the super soldiers who were grabbing. I mean, because those guys were occupied with John Walker, Sam Wilson was left alone to do the saving. Sure. So I, I think that what really, what it shows us what matters are the choices that you make. And, and I think that that's where, that's what Sam really lays out through his actions, but then also through his speech later that we'll talk about is that whatever power you have, or don't have, it's still going to boil down to the choices that you make. And so for John Walker, I think that was a key moment for him in this. Not that he had heard Sam's speech at this point, but there's a part of him that's feeling that thing as he's looking at the metal on his shield, and he has the choice of continuing on with revenge or go ahead and save these people who need to be saved. That you just sometimes you have to let go of the pretense, let go of the power, the authority that you think you have or, or whatever it is or whatever status you think you're entitled to. Just set all that aside. And what's the right thing to do? What do I need to do? The right choice to make in this instance. And it was trying to save those people. And so it was an important step for John Walker. It doesn't mean that he's OK now, like he's good now, everybody. No, it's it's not quite that. I don't think it's as simple as that. I don't think John Walker as a character has ever been as simple as that in the comic books or in this series. And I think that's what makes him a compelling character and how our relationship with this character can evolve over time. I mean, you bring up the case of Jamie Lannister. I would almost look at Cersei Lannister as a character on Game of Thrones where not to spoil the whole run of the show. But depending on what season you're watching, you hate her, feel bad for her and almost get behind her and root for her and then hate mm, her again great because... Point. Mm -hmm. Our relationships with characters can evolve in these heightened realities in this epic type of storytelling. And that's what's happened. I mean, yep. that's what happened with Loki. That's what's going to happen. That's what's been happening with John Walker. And I point out the back and forth with how you feel about them. I bring up that Cersei Lannister example because you might go back and forth with how you feel about John Walker over time because he wavers in the comics, too. Sometimes it looks like Absolutely. John Walker's A-OK. -okay, like, he's a jerk. I hate him. Ah, he doesn't seem so bad now. Now nah, he's kind of a jerk and I hate him. And that mm -hmm. happens. There is that dance with John Walker in the comic books. And I think that the show is doing a pretty good job of portraying yes. that. And yes, credit to Wyatt Russell and his performance because uh, he's tasked with selling all of it for this character. And I think he's doing a really terrific job. Mm -hmm. So this sets up our, our final fight. You know, Sam finishing the save of those hostages. And we see... Uh, Sam getting in some some shield throws, some really good bank shots on some super soldiers. Uh, Carly gets her first look at Sam. She saw him way up above at the beginning of the episode, but this is the first time that she gets to see what he's actually wearing. And he, she says, you of all people bought into that bullshit. And Sam just says, I'm trying something different. Maybe you should do the same. But uh, before they can finish that conversation, Batrock lock, uh, launches in some smoke bombs. 
Uh, so everyone scatters. Sharon is watching. Bucky also calls out some positioning to Sharon, which will come in handy for her in just a few moments. Carly hears some whistling, thinks slash hopes that it's Dovich, one of her fellow Flag Smashers, but it's Sharon, who is the power broker. And just in case you weren't sure, they say it like three times in a row. Yes. Uh, so Carly, uh, we get some backstory here. Carly worked for Sharon or the power broker in Madripoor and then, of course, betrayed her, stole the super soldier serum, all that stuff. And Sharon tries to recruit Carly back. Carly declines. Carly actually calls her the power broker. Then Batroc comes in and calls her the power broker twice, in case you missed it. Like I said, three times in a row. Uh, Batroc wants more money to keep the power broker's identity a secret, which was a dumb move on his part because the blackmail was not something that Sharon slash the power broker was going to go for. Shoots him, and now Batroc is dead. Uh, but Sharon gets shot in all of that. And Sam is here now, uh, having missed all of the power broker talk. I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about the Sharon go power broker it. stuff because I said this last week that when this happens, it wasn't it probably wasn't going to have the impact that it should, and it just didn't. You know, the whole power broker thing, like it it just felt like they were trying really hard to make it mean something by saying it three times in a row, rule of threes and all that. I, I don't know what they were going for, but uh or wanting to leave out any room for misinterpretation. I I, I don't know, but it just didn't really mean anything to me that she was the power broker. And I guess I'll probably save more of what I have to say about this in the mid credit scene because of how things move forward. But it just felt kind of anticlimactic, like, OK, fine. But if you remove Sharon from this equation and you just had Carly teaming up with Batrock and recruiting him um, or just removing Sharon from this series entirely and just having this boil down to Sam and Carly, because that's still what it boils down to uh, in just a few moments after this scene. I think this show would be just fine and, and probably better for it. I think Sharon Carter's presence in, in the series just really ultimately didn't work for me. I was willing to be patient with it when we saw it in, what, episode three, uh, when she was brought in. We saw the whole Madripoor thing with, with Zemo and been waiting it out. And then like her very quick cameos in episodes four and five and just thinking, OK, well, at some point, maybe this will get better. But I had pretty much given up on it by last week, and, and there was nothing here that really saved it for me. I love this show, and I want to be perfect. I, if you can't tell that I love this show after all these spoiler reviews, I, I don't know yeah. what else to say. But no uh, obviously, I have a tremendously high opinion of this series, and I, I think it it wins in all the places that matter the most. And so, of course, I still love and adore The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but if there's one glaring flaw in it, it is this Sharon Carter storyline. And it's got nothing to do with Emily Van Camp as a performer. It's the material just isn't quite there. And I don't know if it was there before and got cut out for whatever reason. But all I have to go by, all I have to go by is the end result. And the end result for Sharon Carter in this whole story, even with this power broker reveal, which wasn't that difficult to see coming, um, it just it it doesn't land in in a meaningful way for me. Yeah, the Sharon stuff is is easily the the weakest of the series. I don't think anyone would. I mean, people can like it, but I think if you took everything all side by side and kind of thought, you know, what's the weakest? I think everyone would agree this is probably the the weakest and the the less uh, the mo or the most like attention to detail, at least as far as what we've gotten with this character and. It's fine. She's a power broker. I and for me, I just don't 
I guess we'll wait to kind of go a little more detail of where, where she's going after this show. Um, I guess, you know, whatever later, but she easily, easily was the weakest one. Mm-hmm. I wish they could have given us more with her. I mean, you could, you, we talked a little bit before the show, maybe you could do an, you know, yes, you could argue, you could put more episodes of the show, but really like, why would you do that? I mean, just for this character alone, it's like you could add more, but I, to be honest, I felt the pacing of the show was pretty darn on, like on, right. Like it, it was, I, I mean, yeah, we all, if you're left wanting more, that's probably a good thing. Should we get more is debatable because sometimes when you get more, it's not always what you want or it's not as good or, or whatever. So I'm, I want to make that very clear. So I think this is a, as I would take more, sure. But the problem is, I, will that be better? I don't know. We'll never know. But I, what we've gotten, it feels perfect. It's kind of like the Mandalorian too, where it's like, I feel yeah, it'd be great to have episodes that are sh- or longer or whatever, a longer season. But what we get is so like perfect. I just I don't really mind necessarily either. I feel it, I feel it's very much like WandaVision, like the Mandalorian. This is no different. This feels like forgive me here, Sean, but this kind of feels like like almost like a Snyder Cut kind of idea, right? It's like these are very long parts that are all putting one movie together. It is so, so good. And I feel because of the pacing, because of how long and how everything is perfectly laid out. I just don't, I just don't know if adding more to a sharing would have made a difference and honestly might've slowed things down. So I feel like you could have almost, like you said, cut her out and I wouldn't have missed well, anything. The more we honest. got, the worse it was. So yes. I, I don't, I see that as one of the more prevalent criticisms of the show, even amongst people like us who really like it is wishing that it had one or two more episodes. And I just don't share that same assessment because I feel like the stuff that is working really well feels very complete and I don't necessarily need more of it. Like I think Sam's journey in this series, Bucky's journey in this series, and they're the title characters. So their journeys work for me. And I don't need a whole other episode to flesh out John Walker or Carly Morgenthau. I do wish that this finale was a little bit longer. It's one of the shorter episodes we've had uh, for the series. And I wish that it had a little bit more time to devote to kind of the conclusion for Carly in this episode and the conclusion for now for John Walker. So I wish it had that, but it doesn't need to be an entire episode. And you could pick up that time by just removing... Sharon Carter from this because I just feel like a lot of this stuff a lot of this series stays the same if there's no such thing as the power broker I I know maybe the trip to Madripoor goes a little bit differently but there's still other things that they could discover and get pointed in different directions and whatever but you know the power broker's pursuit of the flag smashers is never really as aggressive as the pursuit from the GRC as really it, it's portrayed with John Walker and with Lamar Hoskins. So that already works by itself. The GRC's pursuit of the Flag Smashers works on its own. You don't necessarily need the power broker to be a part of this. And when you can really have her, you don't introduce Sharon until episode three. And then even after that, she has two very quick scenes, you know, phone calls in episode four, and then one quick uh, little phone call update scene or whatever in episode five, they're not really not really giving this character a presence in the series. So might as well just remove her completely and and prioritize that time or repurpose that time to go to other characters and other storylines um, or just leave it out completely. And then you still end up with an. But whether you're replacing bits with Sharon or you're just leaving that material out, 
you still end up with six episodes. So I don't really think this series needed to be longer. That's just the one glaring thing. But I don't want to continue spending that much more time on it here because we'll talk about it a bit more during the mid credit scene, although I've already shared a lot of what I was going to share there anyway. Um, but yeah, the Sharon Carter thing didn't work for me, but it's like the only thing that really stands out as something that doesn't work for me. And because all of the other things were more that were much more central to the plot really worked well, that's why the series is still a huge, huge win for me. And uh, as we continue on, you know, with the journey that that really matters and the confrontation that matters between Sam and Carly, you know, Sam asking Carly where it ends, you know, first you make the decision to kill one person, then it's 10 people, then it's one, then it's a hundred, like where does it end? And just says, please let me help you. And Carly tries to shoot uh, Sharon, Sam stops her. And then at that point, Sam just switches to defense. He's refusing to fight Carly and I, by doing that, he's putting Carly firmly in the position of the aggressor. Like, you're no longer defending yourself or anything like that. Uh, you can't say that you're fighting back. You're the only attacker here. And she's screaming at him to fight back, and he's just not going for it. And, you know, Sam taking that passive approach. I mean, even though he's superhero, brand new costume, shield, all that stuff, he is using the shield simply as that, as a defensive, as a tool for defense. He's not using it uh, to hurt Carly in any way, showing her that, again, this you're the only one fighting here. You are in the position of the attacker and we could act, and I'm just trying to have a conversation with you and that's all I'm going to engage you on is uh, trying to have that conversation. But it never really gets to happen because at some point, uh, Carly is able to get the shield away from Sam and she points a gun at him, looks like she's about to pull the trigger, but then Sharon shoots her and Carly's last words as Sam holds her, I'm sorry. And that regret came a little fast. But hey, if you know you're about to go, um, maybe that's a moment where things become crystal clear and and Carly finally admits something to herself and to Sam that she was going down the wrong path. And so she apologizes. But this is another area where I kind of wish Sharon wasn't there because I, I do wonder what Sam's endgame was, if not for Sharon. You know, the the choice that this has been building to this whole time with Zemo saying, you know, Sam, you're going to have to kill her. You're going to have to make the choice to end Carly's life because she's not going to stop. Uh, she will not stop escalating. Sharon killing Carly kind of lets Sam off the hook of making that choice. Now, he demonstrated what his choice was. I will give it credit for that because he did say or he didn't fight her there. He was just playing defense uh, and absorbing her attacks. But eventually, Something was going to have to happen, but you you wonder what would have happened if Sharon wasn't there. Um, I guess Sam gets shot, or maybe Carly doesn't ultimately pull the trigger. Um, but it would have been interesting to see what Sam would have done and, and maybe have the scene end in a way that really comes down to just Sam and Carly without the interference from Sharon. But either way, up until that point, it's still a very powerful scene with uh, with Sam just trying to engage in the conversation and peaceful resolution, um, you know, and Carly just not being able to engage in that way. I don't know if we can talk about it here or not, but do you think Carly's dead? Because I didn't get that impression. Did I miss something? I think she's dead. Yeah, I, I think. They, don't we see her on the stretcher? Like, no, they don't have her covered up. They just have her on a stretcher. And well, that's because Sam just set her on that. Like, I think she's. Mm. Yeah, I think Sam even said she died uh, at one point in there. So, yeah, I, I think Carly's I think Carly's gone. Um, I mean, it's look, it's superheroes Super, and yeah. stuff like that. So everybody's only dead until someone decides that they're not anymore. So that's always fact, a possibility. That's yeah. always a possibility. But no, I think, I think Carly is gone. And I, I think that 
in some ways, you know, the spirit of what she wanted to accomplish is something that Sam is carrying forward. Although these are things that were, we already knew were priorities for Sam in the first place. He's just going about it in a very different and ultimately better way. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I, I think Carly's gone, but I, I almost wish that her death scene was a little bit longer because I wish we had more of that final conversation right. between Sam and Carly. But maybe that's part of the point, too, is that, you know, this cycle of violence just robs everyone of the conversations that, that they had that might that they could have had that might have been more meaningful and might have pointed to a much more positive uh, resolution without destruction, without death. Um, but I don't want to just put all of that on the show. I, I, I wish there was a, maybe a little bit more there. And as I said, if you take Sharon's role out of it, then maybe more of that is, is able to happen. But yeah. it's still a great scene, though, with Carly shouting fight back and Sam just refusing to do it. Yeah, and I think I also thought I will say this. I think it's interesting that Sharon was one that shot her. That's I just want to leave that there as well. So that's why I'm not convinced Carly's dead. But maybe that's just me being the optimistic. Well, no, I mean I, I think person. Sharon's the one that shot her. It's a perfect cover. Like Sharon shot her to save Sam, but it also protects her identity. Her Sam. And, and maybe maybe use her down the line. And that's that's why I'm. Just yeah, I mean, it's there. not Agents of Shield with the night night gun. Like that, those are real bullets. She, she took her out. Uh, I think is what took. I get. I get it. I get. It. I, know. I, I I'm just. Just, 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 just throwing things out there, you know. I, I do, I did kind of wish they were gonna give. Um, well, I have okay. One, one weird thing, kind of going back a little bit uh, about about the flag smasher, the head flag smasher, Carly. Um, how is she able to fight a guy who like was a soldier, like like U.S. agent slash you know John Walker, and she and, like he's got like all his training, and she's this young kid, and all of a sudden like how can she take on like John Walker, who's like a trained dude like I, I don't understand that like unless she had training like she's like a ninja assassin before like I mean, maybe she was trained by the league of shadows i don't know well there's I mean, not much there really isn't that much well league of shadows is wrong universe but I know, um, I know. they have uh, there wasn't that much one-on-one -on -one fighting between carly and john walker like it was carly and other flag smashers so she had an assist and even in some of the brief moments where they were you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you could say, yeah, over time, John Walker would win that fight. But in brief moments where there's other obstacles around a construction site and things to places to hide and, and have other attacks and stuff like that, I, I didn't really have much of a, a question on it because a, a lot of that came down to John Walker being outnumbered. And yeah, we don't know Carly's history. I mean, I will, yeah, I wish it did, to be honest. That's where we could get, you know, a little bit more. I mean, presumably would have trained while working for the power broker, but obviously that's not the same as, you know, a, a lifetime of a, a military career uh, yeah. that, that John Walker had. But yeah, I don't yeah. think, I don't think we ever saw a long enough one-on-one -on -one match to where I would Fair have enough. said, yeah, uh, Carly should not be able to hold her own for that long against uh, the likes of John Walker. Cause you could say their, their powers are evenly matched. They had the exact same yes. super soldier serum. Agreed. So then Agreed. the training that John Walker had, his experience should be uh, a tiebreaker, but I don't think we saw a long enough one-on-one -on -one fight between the two of them for that to really yeah. come into effect. And, and really quick too, and this is just a very random, random kind of comic book thing. I, I, I was curious, are they going to give her the mace? Like I, I, you know, like that because Flag Smasher is like, you know, like patented mace that he has. Uh, uh, her mace was a parking meter. So what was it? Wait, was that? Wait, I thought she. OK, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I, I, I don't really you. think that was the point. I think the parking meter is just what was uh, what was handy. I'm just calling thought, back again to cool. the hilarity right. of parking meter offense. But um, right. that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Walker and Bucky have set the trap. Uh, they have apprehended the Flag Smashers using their own app against them. 
Uh, Walker quotes Lincoln, mercy bears richer fruit than strict justice. And uh, Bucky questions that, him quoting Lincoln. He says, great man, great quote. And Bucky's comeback is perfect, not when you say it, because, uh, yeah, John Walker is, is no Lincoln. There was a bit of that familiarity that I thought was a little too quick, although, to be clear, Walker is the one who pats Bucky on the back, not the other way around. So maybe yeah. some of that familiarity uh, and that friendship is assumed by John Walker, which wouldn't be the first time he's assumed that. Yes. So um, it's, you know, they're not that friendly towards uh, towards Walker. And you could just say, yeah, heat of the moment, heat of the battle, fighting on the same side. They were getting along uh, for a minute. It doesn't mean that Bucky is a huge John Walker fan all of a sudden. So then we get more of the, as we move toward the resolution, so the fight is over, Carly is gone, the Flag Smashers are captured, and we get a great shot of Sam flying in with Carly's body, and reporters are asking questions. When did the government make him the new cap? Is he Falcon, or is he Captain Falcon? And then Sam meets with some of those GRC officials, including the U.S. senator who isn't even, I guess, Important enough to be the only U.S. senator who factors into this, but not important enough to have an actual name. So these GRC officials, they thank Sam and say now they're going to continue on with their work of resetting the borders and uh, they're not going to be stopped. They were delayed by these terrorists, but they've not been stopped. And Sam takes issue with that, uh, calling the Flag Smashers terrorists and saying, what about the GRC and their armed peacekeeping troops that are going to be you know, using guns to round people up by the millions and Sam talks about labels and whether it's terrorist, refugee, or thug, uh, labels being used to get around the question of why we're doing something, why we're doing certain things or why we're not doing certain things. And when someone asks if it's fair for the government to have to support people in these settlements from the past five years after since the blip, and Sam just says yes. And the senator asks, well, what about the people who came who came back? You know, they don't deserve to be homeless just because now somebody is living where they used to be and saying that Sam has no idea how complicated this situation is, and Sam says that it's a good thing that the situation is complicated. And I like Sam making that point, because really, a lot of times I think we've seen this, not just in a work of fiction like the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but just in real life, that a lot of times just saying an issue is complex, saying that it's complicated it often becomes an excuse to either do nothing at all or do the wrong thing. And so not using how complicated a situation is as an excuse for inaction or the wrong action. I like that Sam is effectively calling that out with how he responds to it. And Sam makes a great point about now people finally have a common struggle. And they do in the Marvel mm. Cinematic Universe with the snap and, and the, or the blip and everybody coming back. And certainly that has uh, that that reflects upon our real world right now, as far as our common struggle, as we are it's still in a pandemic, it's not over yet. And of course, everything that we've all been through for the past year plus and, and still having to go through it, there's something about that. I mean, that feels timeless in this story, but very timely with what Sam is talking about and and how everyone now has knows what it's like to feel helpless. And now that everyone knows what it's like to feel helpless, they might be able to better understand when they're having the same impact, when the things they do, the choices that they make, might make other people feel helpless. And uh, of course, the senator tries to say, Sam just doesn't understand. And then Sam just nails it with his first big speech as Captain America. He says, quote, I'm a black man carrying the stars and stripes. What don't I understand? Every time I pick this thing up, I know there are millions of people out there who are going to hate me for it. 
Even now, I feel it, the stares, the judgment, and there's nothing I can do to change it. Yet I'm still here. No super serum, no blonde hair or blue eyes. The only power I have is that I believe we can do better. We can't demand that people step up, step up if we don't meet them halfway. That speech is such a perfect encapsulation of why Sam Wilson is the perfect person to be Captain America, because it's not it's not some free pass or oversimplified solution where Sam or Marvel in the telling of the story and sharing it with the world on Disney Plus. It's not a situation where you could say that because we now have a black Captain America, we have solved racism or we have solved social injustice. No, there is no one-step solution to any of those types of problems or other complex problems that impact our world. It doesn't work that way. There is no one-step thing that, that just solves everything. And so I like that the way Sam looks at it is, look, me being Captain America, there's still going to be millions of people out there who hate me for it. And a big part of the reason they hate me for it, if not the biggest in a lot of their cases, is going to be the color of my skin. They don't think that I, as a black man, should be Captain America. So we're not solving everything by me wearing this suit. This is not saying that the stars and stripes, that the symbolism of the shield is now perfect and okay, and, and, and we represent a completely fixed and functional and equal society. That's not what this is representing. It's representing our pursuit of that. It's representing the belief that we can do better, but that belief coupled with accountability, that we ha that if we're going to demand that people step up, we have to meet them halfway, meaning that if I'm going to try and inspire people it has to be everyone, and it has to be everyone being willing to reach out to one another in order to make a difference. And so, yes, that's going to be about the regular, ordinary people who might watch me on you know, a video that somebody took on their phone, might be watching this newscast right now, that I'm trying to reach them, and I'm trying to inspire them to do better, but also those who are in power have to do better. And he outlines the power that the GRC has, and, and the GRC is a representation of any powerful form of government you they control the banks they can have they have the ability to move borders they can as he says knock down a force with an email or feed millions of people with a phone call and he's talking about well who's in the room when you're making these decisions is it the people you're going to impact or just more people like you and that's really sam going talking about illustrating the the impact of choice it really comes down to the choices that you make a lot of people have power and a lot of people can come into and, and gain power, but it really comes down to how are you going to use it? How are you in the question that you have that they have to ask themselves, as Sam tells them, is how are you going to wield the power that you have? And I just it, it's such a great speech from Sam Wilson in this and, and, and so many inspiring things to take away from it. I just absolutely loved it. Yeah, this was a, a really great um again, kind of introduction for the world of the, of the MCU to get to know this new Captain America. And again, they, we've, they've done a great job of setting up the social worker aspect of Sam Wilson and, and the fact that he is, again, his superpower is being able to reach people on a level that, uh, you know, maybe a lot of people, you know, can't really can't. And there, there is, there is a charisma and there is a way of, of understanding and speaking to people to make them, you know, kind of all, everyone kind of understand what, 
maybe the other side is, isn't thinking or just a, just a thought process in general that maybe that they'd heard from other people that just didn't listen to. And Sam Wilson's, you know, again, superpower is the ability to kind of bring people together and make them understand a little bit from outside their perspective. And I think this was another fantastic example of that. And, and there's so many things to talk about in his speech. It felt very natural of what he was talking about, relevant. And those things, a lot of times, those things can like stick out and they don't come off as genuine. And I think that's what I'm trying to say is that it didn't come off like, a, like he was preaching, but it just came off like as genuine, like this is the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I love that they use things from the MCU to kind of bring these different issues to light of what we deal with today as in our in our current circumstances, whether it be with race or with the pandemic. There's lots of interesting things. And one of the things I love that he talked about specifically in that was that when he says, you know, you simply don't understand. Like he's trying to, you know, again, it's it, Sam's trying to have a discussion and this guy and the senator wants to have a debate. And that was the difference. And I think with that, it was that Sam wasn't looking to like try to win someone over as far as like, I'm going to debate with you and win the argument. Like, no, no, no. Like, he's like, no, you're right. Like there, that's the beauty of it. Like let's come together and figure this out. Like what's, you know, it, we need to come as a people, as everyone and understand, like, let's figure this problem out. Like, yes, we don't understand. Help us understand. Like, what can we do to make this better What so we can help you make our lives better and, and represent, you know, these people that are struggling and things like that. Like, I love the fact that he acknowledges that he doesn't have all the answers, you know? And that's the thing I, I liked about it was Sam is realistic. And mm-hmm. he tells – and he's telling the senator – he's also telling the American people that, listen, I'm Captain America, but I'm not a guy who's going to know everything. And that's the same thing as Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers never claimed to be a politician. He didn't try to be, you know, he, all he was, was who he was, which was to do the right thing that he thought was right and fight for that reason to, you know, to fight what he believed in. That was Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson is fighting for what he believes in. And what, you know, what Sam is fighting for is, is, is different in a sense to where it's, his things that he he is is, is dealing with as, as a black man and as, as Falcon, as Captain America and all those things. And I like the fact it's different than, than Steve's struggles. And I love what this Captain America represents and what he's trying to do as a superhero, as whatever is different. But it's also bringing to light this these issues. And he's saying that I don't have all the answers. And and that's fine. And he's acknowledging that that's not a problem. Like, that's the thing. And that's one of the things I loved about as well is that when he, when you say that he's not just saying it to himself, but like to them too, like admit it's okay to say you don't have the answers, you know, but that's the whole point. Open yourself up for solutions. Don't close yourself off because you're afraid you don't have the answers and and it makes you look like you're. Well, and he gives them a path to get the answers. Exactly. Because when he says, when you're making these decisions, who's in the room with you? And you're probably not going to be able to figure out if you just have more people like you in the same position, same power dynamic, whatever it is. And you're making decisions about people about that are going to impact their lives. They're going to you're making choices for where they're going to live. If you have the power to make all of these decisions and you don't know exactly the best way to handle that, because it is a complicated problem. You have people who've been living life for five years who don't deserve to just be moved around because other people came back. At the same time, you have people who, of no fault of their own, were were just snapped out of existence for five years, and all of a sudden they're back, and they don't deserve to just be displaced. So you end up in this situation where nobody deserves 
what's happening. Nobody's done something that made them feel like where this was some punishment that they earned for themselves. This is just a tragedy that has happened to everyone, and it's impacting people in ways that are very similar, a common struggle, but everybody has their own individual differences as well. And yes, that adds to the complexity of the problem, but if you want to try and find some sort of solution for it, the best thing you can do is make sure you're hearing from the people who are actually impacted by it and making sure you're you're hearing from the people who might be in a position where normally they don't have a voice and therefore they are helpless and they are just, what happens to them is going to be based on simply the decisions you make. So it's probably a pretty good idea to hear from them. If you want to have something that presents itself as a reasonable solution, And I think that's really Sam's biggest point here is when he says, you know, I his power, his superpower is that he believes we can do better. Well, how are we going to do better by listening to one another and not just using complexity as an excuse to just keep doing the same things or to keep following whatever instincts we may have that we have an opportunity to do better. But it begins by us coming together and seeing ourselves through this common struggle. And that means inviting more perspectives into the room Uh, and into the conversation. So, uh, and it doesn't solve everything. I think that's Sam's point, though, is that we have to embrace the point that not everything is going to be easy and some things are going to be very difficult to figure out. Uh, But it's the, if we focus on our common struggle and we come together over it, then that might be a path, that will provide a path for us to see through it. And it's not going to be an easy one. It's not going to mean that we're all just going to automatically get along and we're not going to have arguments as we have these conversations. But if it comes from a perspective of a willingness of us all wanting to do and be better for each other and for ourselves, that if that's if that is the mindset with which we approach these things, then, yeah, we can actually have this this shield that I'm representing, this idea of Captain America, of representing not necessarily what we are, but what the the very best of what we can be we can get there and it, there's value in that pursuit. Um, but that pursuit all comes down to our willingness to, to come together and listen to each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that that's what I love. The speech is so much is because it's not, again, it's not a holier than thou. It's a, we're in this together. Let's figure it out. And then that is such a, a an important thing. I think in today's society, to be quite honest, and everyone wants to say you're, you're evil you're evil because of this and you're evil because of that. And there's, there's gotta be some way we can come together as a people mm-hmm. and, and try to like come and figure things out. I love how that's, that's the impression that I got from what Sam was saying was that we need to come together as a people, you know, and, and, and listen to each other and not, and again, not to be like all rainbows and lollipops and hold hands and things like that, you know, but but that really is what he's trying to say is like, you have to understand the situations. You have to understand where people are coming from. You have to understand, you know, the hardships and everything that, that comes with these decisions and, and mm-hmm. what you're doing, you know, affects. And it's so important. And I love that it's, a, again, this is what makes, this is why I think superheroes are important. And is that these are, you know, kids, young kids are learning great values from these heroes, not just because of they're standing up against a figurative evil uh, that they're, they're punching, but because you know what things like this that this Captain America of Sam mm-hmm. Wilson is doing, it, it to me it's the next generation is is learning from these heroes, and and that's what I think. I think Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios they understand the importance of that and that, what that means for people and what it means to be role models and know that these these 
kids today are like, look, they are, you know, then these, these things are saying in these shows, they're affecting the kids, you know, whether they subconsciously or not and, you know, whatever. And that's important. And, and those, these are the things that, you know, I'd want my child to like learn and understand, like, and, and be, come at things with an understanding and try to understand other people's point of views. Don't just think, don't, don't be bullheaded that the only way is the one way and be, and, and try to learn. And, and I just love the fact that those are all things that like people, everyone can learn from young, old, whatever. And it's never too late to learn and to, to, to kind of, you know, this is, you know, it's cause I'm, I'm almost 40 years old and you know, doesn't mean I can't take what he's saying into practice. You know, it's true. And you're never too old to kind of learn and, and, and start kind of changing your, your mindset. And I think that's, what's important, what Sam mm. is trying to get at. So again, I, I just, I think these things are so important in, in these, these shows for star Wars or for Marvel or for whatever, you know, our, our young generation is watching. We need to, you know, these things that are important and the messages of these things are important. Whether, you know, say they're overly political, I don't care. These are things, these are universal things that like need that young people need to hear and should be like putting into practice as they get older. Stan Lee said it many times on his soapbox about the value of these things, um, yeah. you know, the value that these characters have in, in storytelling in general, not just to inflate the importance of his, I mean, because he was like the salesman of Marvel Comics for yes. so long, uh, but mm-hmm. not just the co-creator of so many of these characters, but the ambassador, the salesman of uh, Marvel Comics and the value of these stories. But he was talking about storytelling in general when he spoke to these ideas that, and that's why we spend so much time breaking it down and, and talking about it is, yeah, this stuff's really cool and really fun, but there's value in these stories. There's value yeah. in these characters and the lessons that they teach and the way that they can inspire us. And I think that Sam is one of the best examples we've had of that thus far in particularly in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and this version of the story He's been such a great character to watch. And even the way it's all summed up in this episode, like not just through the speech, not just through the talk, but also Sam's actions. I think we've seen him living already, living the words that he's saying to these GRC officials, because when he's talking about leading with empathy, because it doesn't really boil down to, and it never really has his fight with Carly Morgenthau. It's been about the it's really been more about the empathy that he has for her and his willingness to see her side not condone her actions not excuse her killing people but still having a willingness to even as he's trying to stop her from doing these things to be willing that willingness to see her side you know he talks about how carly died trying to stop them uh from this vote and how many people who actually supported her you know that that there were so many people who went to such great lengths in order to help Carly defy the most powerful governments in the world. And and Sam boils it down to this point of, why do you think that is? And he says, you people have, meaning the GRC officials, they have just as much power as an insane god or a misguided teenager. How are Mm. you going to use it? And that question of why do you think that is, of still consider the perspective. Obviously, she was wrong in in how she wanted to go about it, But the reason she felt justified in doing that is because there was some truth in the cause that she was pursuing. And a lot of people felt that way, which is why she had so much support all around the world. And so I I think Sam's willingness to see somebody else's perspective, that's his other power. Yes, the belief that we can do better, but his willingness to see someone else's perspective uh, is some and, and actually consider that and inviting these other GRC officials and everybody else to have that same approach. Because as he says, 
if you don't question why people make choices, if you don't question how people end up a certain way, then you're just going to see another example of it. And as he says, there's just going to be a next Carly. And he says, you don't want to see version 2.0. So there's a war- there is a warning with that, but then also the inspiring quality of the speech that here's an opportunity for us to do better. But it's not in this oversimplified sort of way that says everything is fine now because I'm here. It's rather the, a statement of truth that everything is not fine, but we have a way, if we can come together, we can find a better path forward. We can do better, but to take a cue from what Sam told Bucky last week, we have to do the work. And that's everybody being willing to meet each other halfway, not to condone and say that every opinion is valid out there, but consider each other's perspective and have a willingness to come together to solve these problems as complicated as the, as complicated as they may be and not use the fact that things are so complicated not use that point to justify just continuing to do things the same way or do nothing at all to come together acknowledge a common struggle and find a way through it uh, and that's where Sam is so valuable in pointing that out and being there as our new captain america to help see us through that and to help be a guide through that um and see the people inside the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and even those of us watching at home, uh, there's value in what he's saying. And we know other people are seeing that value. We see others watching it. We see Bucky watching. We see Walker watching it uh, right there. But because the media was there, the whole world was watching. So in the way that the whole world saw what John Walker did a couple of weeks ago on the show, well, the whole world got to see Sam Wilson as this new Captain America and everything that he said. We see Isaiah, Bradley, and Eli uh, watching it. We see how moved Isaiah was by Sam's speech. We see Sarah, Sam's sister, watching it. And and we, we see the world being moved by and inspired by Sam Wilson, which was beautiful to see. Um, and then, of course, Bucky plays it off. Sorry, I was texting. All I heard was something about a black guy in Stars and Stripes. Uh, nice job, Cap. Which was, it, it felt very reminiscent of when Steve had his great speech at the end of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, before the big fight with Hydra and Slash Shield and everything, of Sam being like, did you write that down first, or that just off the top of your head? Like, I, I love, you know, Bucky obviously being genuinely moved by Sam's speech, just like anyone was, but at mm-hmm. the same time, these are still friends who are going to give each other shit. Uh, mm-hmm. So I like that uh, response to it. We say bye-bye to Sharon for now. Um, and now Sam's got to go back and get that flag smasher that he dropped in the Hudson after the whole helicopter thing. So we get one last great shot of Sam Wilson in flight as Captain America. But that was awesome. Again, great speech by Sam Wilson as Cap. And then uh, we get some epilogue material. So we see the rest of the flag smashers have been, the surviving flag smashers have been rounded up. They are put in an armored vehicle. But then it explodes. They get one last one world, one people, but then it explodes. And we see Zemo's butler has uh, blown these guys up. And Zemo, then we cut to, uh, we get one last look at him inside the raft. So he's still making things happen, uh, even though he is living out his days on the raft. So we saw Zemo as expected. I thought maybe it'd be mid or post credit scene, but similar effect here. The main plot of the mm-hmm. episode had been resolved, but we see Zemo is just making sure that the last uh, super soldiers are gone forever. So all that's left now, as far as super soldiers are concerned, are Bucky Barnes and John Walker. We'll see what Zemo chooses to do about them, if anything. Uh, So as we continue through our epilogue, we hear about the GRC changing their policies, uh, not voting for the Patch Act that they were about to. Um, And then we get to uh, don't call her Val, just keep it in your head. She jokes about uh, planning the deaths of the Flag Smashers. Did she do it or didn't she? Don't know. As she's talking to John Walker's wife. Uh, while they're waiting for John Walker to change, and uh, it's taking too long. So what is he changing into? 
his U.S. agent suit, which is the same as his cap suit, but black, as uh, John Walker observes, because uh, John Walker is at least smart enough to know colors. So we have, uh, so Valentina uh, is talking about things are about to get weird. Not going to need a Captain America, going to need a U.S. agent. Uh, and mm. then uh, John Walker calls her Val, and she says, don't call me that. And he says, copy. Um, I, I mean, as cheesy and on the nose of a naming scene as uh, as we've ever had in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but whatever. Uh, yeah, his name is U.S. Agent. Uh, that's the identity that John Walker has in the comic book. So we're finally there now in the MCU. I mean, he was also Captain America in the, in the comic book, so that fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so very on the nose. But whatever, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus uh, Louis is still so good as Valentina, uh, and don't call her Val, keep it in your head, whatever. Um, so great. And then I think there was my first reaction to the scene with John Walker being so happy at the end of this, like celebrating with his wife, like I'm back. I'm like, ah, John Walker doesn't deserve to be that happy. But at the same time, that's part of the point. You know, mm-hmm. the more I've thought about the scene and I've just thought, you know, this also shows that John Walker is not fully redeemed. Like I know he got a, he had a somewhat friendly interaction with Bucky. He got a nod from Sam at the end of everything that was happening in New York. And he made a really great choice to save people instead of continuing to pursue revenge. But this Mm. shows the flaws that are still within John Walker, right? After everything he's been through, he's just happy to have a, a newly colored suit and a uh, and a new title, you know, a fancy new superhero name. Uh, John Walker just got from Valentina right there, and so you already see John Walker kind of believing his own hype again, uh, which points to where John Walker is not fully redeemed yet, and we still don't know exactly what path he's on. He took steps toward redemption in this episode, but there's also still the opportunity for him to go the wrong direction as in the comic books he goes back and forth and i think that's what they're setting up in the mcu that john walker isn't fixed now that there's a part of this guy that wants to do the right thing and and wants to make the right choices and has the right instincts to make the right choices but there's also a guy with a huge ego that is in love with himself and falls in love with whatever status he might be given by someone um, who could very easily make wrong choices again as u.s agent I love the costume for U.S. Agent, and I loved it since – I've always loved the costume, okay? And this is why. When I was collecting comic books, it was during the late 80s Marvel age where they were reintroducing uh, a lot of the, their main characters in new looks. So you had the black Spider-Man suit. You had the Grey Hulk. You had uh, the Walt Simons and Thor at this point had um, like a, almost – not like a suit of armor, but like almost like a whole kind of suit – armor if you will and uh, had like a big old beard covering a scar um and then you also had the uh, iron man centurion armor which is my favorite armor still to this day um so i grew up and i remember i have the comic book and uh i was actually just looking at this a second ago uh it's issue three or yeah 345 and it's half uh captain america and half u.s agent but at this point it's Steve Rogers as uh, the captain. But anyway, you, you see both costumes. And that was my introduction because I knew Captain America's old costume, but then I had U.S. agents here. And that was my first introduction to that costume. I've always loved it. I always loved the all black and the red stripes. And it's I thought it looked really cool. And when they put John Walker in the series and they put him in a blue version of that, I'm like, that's perfect because they're going to segue into the bl- all black outfit. 
And I just, I loved everything about this. Now you're right, Sean, that there is at this point with the whole, it's a little too on the nose and it's like a U.S. agent. I get it. I loved it because I think you have to kind of give us an idea of who John Walker is. Cause he, at this point he's called himself Captain America. Cause that's what he's been dubbed by his right. superiors. Right. So you, I think that it made sense that he had to be kind of, again, not himself. Cause he's not, and this is going to, I'm trying to sound weird when I say this, but he can't do it himself. Cause he has to hear he, again. He's, he's, he's a soldier, right? He's got to have his superiors tell him. So Val had to tell him we need a U.S. Yeah, agent. Don't call her that. But, yeah, exactly. Keep it in your head. Um, but that's the thing. And so I think that again, it made sense for me. So I, I, even though it, yes, it's right. a little too obvious. I think it worked from that aesthetic. No, and then I, I think but, it worked for that. Cause like, I think he, well, first he surrendered the title of captain America, right? Like right, when he right. threw down the shield, he accepted, I'm not Captain America. And then, of course, with Sam's speech. I, and I think John Walker was genuinely moved by Sam's speech. Like, this guy is Captain America. That's not me. Right. And what I, I really think the title of U.S. agent is an act of manipulation on the part of Valentina. Like, exactly. Like, I'm smarter than this dope. I know what this guy needs. The dude just needs a title. I'm not going to call him Captain America because he isn't and he knows he isn't. So I'm going to give him something else that kind of sounds like Captain America. Um, and that will totally fire him up to get him to go do whatever the hell I want him to do. I don't really care about him, nor do I really care about the title of U.S. agent. That's a nothing title, but it's a thing he needs. So I'm giving it to him and it'll make him happy and get him to go do what I want him to do. Fine. Well, because you brought up a great point. Like, why is he so happy? Yeah. Right. It's because he's he needs purpose. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's been given purpose. He and it, it being Captain America made him complete. Like it it did. It made him it made him who he all what he wanted to be. Um, maybe not Captain America itself, but like that whole idea of being the symbol or whatever, yeah. it gave him that. And so there is someone please tell me I'm good and I have value. Exactly. And I think again, that kind of is, I think, where I think his the sympathy level is going to happen because there's one brilliant thing that Marvel uh, Studios has done with the character. And we haven't really talked about it. And it's the fact they've given him a wife. And in the comic books, his family is a part of his kind of transition as a hero. And I'm not going to reveal how that is, like some people on Twitter. I'm just going to leave it out there. Anyway, a little salty about that. Anyway, um, but the thing is, they play an important part. And I'm wondering if she's going to play an important part of him maybe being redeemed at some point. And I'm not sure how. And I don't think she's going to die necessarily or but or, or leave him. But I think she's going to be the voice of reason for him. Because if you just have this guy just being a big manipulative oaf, it's going to be hard to see him kind of transition to more of a heroic idea. I think his wife will help ground him, one, but also ground the audience and kind of understand that why John is not this awful, awful person. And I think that seeing her, like, see Val and everything is going to help kind of bring him into perspective if she really truly is this evil thing, which we'll get maybe to at some point as well. But either way, I like the idea of his wife being kind of like the middle ground as far as, like, maybe make, making him realize, like, hey, because you know, you're kind of, you're, you're going nuts about this, about this whole thing. And maybe you're too blind to see it because as we all know, the super soldier serum has enhanced his kind of just, you know, his, I think his heroics a little bit and his anger and his, his ego. 
And I think that's what, you know, we're kind of dealing with. And I think his wife will be the, the moral center for him going forward. And, and they've kind of, kind of already talked about that when you, when she says, you know, one of the best things in your life is marrying this firecracker. And I think that is a way of saying that this is going to be, she's going to be John's moral compass because he's going to need that. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a very interested where that goes, but yeah, I love the scene. This costume's phenomenal. I mean, we talk about straight from the panels, every stitch. Like this literally is missing like all white star in the upper uh what right corner mm-hmm. of his chest, and that's it. Like it, it everything is freaking perfect. I freaking love it. And I think it looked great. I, I just give me US Agent like next week, man. I need it. I love US Agent. Yeah. US Agent will definitely be back and probably part <laughs> of some other team that yes. Valentina is building. So the next thing we get is Bucky making amends. So he goes back to his pal, Yori Nakajima, whom we met in the first episode, and Bucky confesses and tells Yori the truth about Yori's son, that he was murdered by the Winter Soldier, and that was Bucky. And when Yori asks why, Bucky says because he didn't have a choice, and it's true. Bucky did not have a choice. He was brainwashed. He did not choose to murder anyone, let alone Yori's son, he didn't choose to go out and be an assassin. And then, of course, we, as we saw in the flashback, that Yori's son was just uh, an unfortunate witness uh, who was at the wrong place at the wrong time, and the Winter Soldier saw him and took him out. But not a choice that Bucky ever made, but he still did it, and he remembers it. And what I like so much about this scene, and I was a little worried, I knew we would get this scene, because, of course, we were going to circle back to this, that Bucky had to tell Yori the yeah. truth. I was worried that it was going to be too easy for Bucky. Yeah. That he would tell Yori and Yori would let him off the hook and just say, I understand. I forgive you. We didn't get that. Maybe that happened and maybe it didn't. But to give Bucky that or show us Bucky getting that in this story would have defeated the purpose of what Sam said it was all for last week when Sam was explaining it to Bucky that if you're confessing these things or making amends, to make yourself feel better, that's missing the point. This needs to be about making other people feel better and making them be of service. Now, it doesn't make Yori feel good to hear that his son was murdered and be sitting there face-to-face with the guy who murdered him, whether it was his choice or not. It doesn't make Yori feel good for that, but it does give him closure. As he said back when we met him in the first episode, that one of the things that's tortured him most about the loss of his son is obviously the loss of his son is more than enough, but just not knowing what happened, knowing that there was something up with it and not never knowing the truth about why his son was taken, uh, was you know taken from this life. And so Bucky finally gave him that, gave him that closure. And so it wasn't about Bucky. It wasn't about whether or not Bucky was forgiven by Yori or anything like that. All that matters is Yori got the closure that he needed as Bucky checks in on him. And Bucky sees uh, sees Yori at their lunch spot with Leah, the uh, waitress with whom uh, Bucky had one interrupted date. Um, but I, I love the way that they played that out, that it was just about Bucky giving him that closure, not about what Bucky got back for it, but just Bucky providing what Yori needed, and that's all that the scene was about. And then we see that Bucky, uh, even though this is the only instance we witness, we know that there are more because Bucky, of course, gives Dr. Rayner the the finished book and the thank you note that he has completed uh, making amends. Not avenging, but finally amending. Uh, we see that Bucky has completed that, and, and I love it. And we don't need to see him going through a montage of confessions with everybody. There was one example that 
that we got in this series. And so circling back to that example and the way they played out that scene, uh, I thought was very well done. Yeah, that was, um, I mean, it, it was a bummer. I kind of thought like you, Sean, like, okay, we're going to have this like, you know, I forgive you. And again, I think that would have been cool and fine, but yeah. I like the fact that we don't yeah. really know. Right. And, and I, I like the fact that it leaves it ambiguous enough to where when Sam walks by and he sees the girl, um, the, you know, the bartender and mm -hmm. him together for a minute and they kind of, just kind of just looks at him, doesn't smile really right. just kind of, you know, just kind of looks at him and, and Bucky kind of, I think that that's, that's all you need to know is kind of where, where he stands with those people at that mm -hmm. point. And I think that that was, again, that, and that's all you needed. I think it was right. a good closure for having that character in the beginning, um, and that whole date situation, um, you know, kind of setting up Bucky trying to move on. But also again, this moment right here where him kind of, it pays off right here. And I like that. And I liked that it was not this big, like, Oh my God, like right. for forgiveness scene. It was, no. you know, like sometimes, and, and again, going back to symbolism and what, you know, things we can all learn from it again, older, younger, whatever, doesn't matter. But you know, sometimes when you met, you admit you mess up and you made a mistake, it doesn't always mean like things are going to get like get predominantly better afterwards. Sometimes you just might feel the same or worse. And it just takes, you know, you, your time to move on. It takes a while. And that was a great example of that as far as at least the way, again, the way I interpret it. So right. I, I really like this idea of like, it wasn't like this cliche thing. It was very much more realistic. Like, yeah, people are bummed out and they don't really want to see you. And you can, you, and he understands that. And I, I like the fact that he kind of moved on. I also love the fact that you get the Steve's book retiring. And mm -hmm. I think, again, going to obviously show that Bucky's becoming his own man now. And I think that, you know, he's holding on to, you know, one of the things I did yesterday was we watched the first, um, the, lot, the previous episode and then this back to back. And it was a really a good thing to see Bucky really transition, you know, in that kind of so, so fluidly I felt from episode to episode. And I just love the progression of the character. And I really do feel that after the season, he is his own man. And I think that book to his doctor and the thank you note was such a perfect touch. I mean, I, cause, cause let's be real. We could all understand why Bucky would have kept the book. It's part of his best friend. Like right. it's a big part of his best friend, but no, like he knew how he was going to be, be able to move on as winter soldier or as what he has done is also like, you know, it's a, it's a practice of learning to, you know, let go of other things you've lost. And, and that is a family member, you know, someone you love so much. And I think that was a great way of like, you know, I, I can't just let go of, you know, random things that, you know, I can let go of this, but I can't let go of that. He realized in order for him to practice of like letting go of things and moving on, he had to do it to everything. And even like his, you know, holding on to things like his best friends, you know, you know, too tightly. And I love that. I love that, that it, it's a great way to show how he has moved on from Steve. And now he'll, he'll, he'll become Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier or, you know, whatever, you know, going forward. So I, I really love that transition of or that the transition of to I'm moving on. And it was both great to see from the the sad standpoint of what he did as Winter Soldier, but also as Bucky Barnes himself. Yeah, it represents two things. I mean, it's a positive and a negative that he's letting go of. And yeah, because one of the things he was holding on to was not just Steve's book, but Steve's opinion of mm -hmm. him. Yep. And as Sam told him last week, it doesn't, you know, to the surprise of everyone, like it, it doesn't really matter what Steve thought. Exactly. You got to stop letting other people tell you who you are. And, and so 
holding on to Steve's book was this was represent was this physical representation of holding on to Steve's opinion, which doesn't mean that like, oh, Steve sucks and nobody cares what he thinks. Exactly. It's not that. The point is not deriving your entire self-worth from On one person, what one person thought of you as much as you admire that person, as much as you love that person. So that's kind of the positive. Well, positive from the standpoint of it's it's a friendship that Bucky was holding on to. Um, And that I mean, the friendship is still there. It doesn't go away just because Steve isn't present. But you don't need to hold on to that friendship by holding on to this book. You can let go of it. But the other thing you've been using this book for is to hold on to your pain and hold on to all of your regret as the winter soldier. And so to go out and make amends and, you know, for us to not see exactly how the rest of that conversation went, because it's not really about what Bucky got out of it. We know he did because he seems to be more at peace as he's watching Yuri and and Leah through the window. And when he shows up at the very end um, with Sam and everybody, like it seems that Bucky is much more at peace. So we know he got something out of it, but that something didn't necessarily need to be forgiveness. It was what he got out of it, if there's any satisfaction at all, was actually being of service to Yuri and giving him what he needed, which was the closure in finally learning the truth about what happened to his son. So the way that was played on, uh, they played that out was perfect. And yes, letting Bucky just physically let go of something as he's emotionally letting go of something uh, was really well played as a resolution for that character at this point in his life uh, in this series and, and overall in the MCU. And then uh, as we continue on with uh, an even bigger point of resolution with Sam and Isaiah, so we knew we'd get another conversation between these two characters, especially after the one that we had last week, as powerful and moving as it was, we knew we needed to see another conversation. And so um, Eli answers the door first and refers to Sam as Black Falcon, and I love his comeback. You need to learn some manners. Uh, So Isaiah actually tells Sam when they start talking, he tells Sam that he's special, but... uh, to Isaiah's point, Sam is no Malcolm, Martin, or Mandela. And Sam says, no argument there, but I know what I've got to do. And Isaiah asks, Black Captain America. Sam says, damn right. And Isaiah talks about how the fight won't be easy. And Sam, as he mentioned in his speech, really, I mean, we already knew that Sam wasn't expecting any easy answers here. And Sam Mm -hmm. says that he might fail, he might die, but quote, we built this country, bled for it. I'm not going to let anybody tell me I can't fight for it not after what everybody before me went through, including you. And Isaiah, you could see it on his face. Great performance by Carl Lumley. He's very moved by that. I mean, he says, shit, I almost bought that, but he totally bought it, tries to deny Mm -hmm. it. But yes, Isaiah Bradley was genuinely moved by what Sam said. And Sam says, there's something I want to show you. And he takes Isaiah and Eli to the Captain America exhibit at the Smithsonian that now has a new wing. And in there, you see a statue and a dedication to the history, the story of Isaiah Bradley. And Isaiah looks back on his own history and just knowing that he hasn't been erased. I mean, he was erased for a long time, but now his story is being told and it's going to be there forever for everyone to see. Uh, Isaiah Bradley has moved to tears. Sam says, now they'll never forget what you did for this country. Never. Isaiah walks up to Sam, shakes his hand and gives him a hug. And again, just very moving performance by Carl Lumley. We, we see just how much it meant to him uh, with what Sam has provided by making sure the world never forgets his story. Just a tremendous, tremendous mm-hmm. scene. I absolutely loved it. So powerful, so moving. And everything I, about Isaiah Bradley, I've just, I've really loved in this series. And, you know, it, it doesn't make up for everything that happened to Isaiah Bradley at all. 
but this is someone who deserves to, within the context of the MCU, certainly deserves to have his name and his his name known and his story told. And Sam is doing what he can, and he's he's right there in the Captain America exhibit with Steve Rogers, you know, putting his story right there is just as essential to the history of America, to the history of the world as uh, as Steve's. Uh, just love that from Sam, and and the reaction by Isaiah was was so wonderful. This is stuff that you know I, I just it, it's it's moving, and it's you can't help at least for me I can't help but just just love the the writing, the acting, the emotion, what it all represents, and seeing seeing all this was 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 a great. Uh, I remember reading the uh, the Isaiah Bradley comic book series, uh, um, the miniseries, whatever. Uh, but what after our Galaxy's Edge. Uh, stuff. Uh, I think I read read it after that, and I was on the plane reading that, and it was. It, you know, I've always liked the character, you know, or, or like the idea of the character. We'll get into the series some other time, but the actual like character of Isaiah Bradley is, is such a is such a really good story in a sense to where like how awful like people are treated, you know, and and it just like uh, just it's seeing it play out in this series made it even more impactful and how I you know, it's it part of me wants to see him as be the super soldier and and break his his friends out and and everything and and be that hero and see that scene that's I think it's a, a you know, whatever because like we have in the comic books, but a part of me is also like it almost makes it more powerful that we don't see it and we see how it, it you know, everything, you know, affected him and seeing things off screen sometimes is maybe more powerful. And so the, but you know, when you have all that emotion, you see all that and they take him to the, you know, to the Captain America museum or whatever. Um, it's Smithsonian. The CM actually hug him at the end was a really powerful moment of this man who, who did not want anything to do mm-hmm. with him at first and how he won his trust over kind of, over time and not just like, Oh, you became, you know, black captain America. I love you now. Like, no, it was, okay, right. I respect you now. Like you're, you're okay. Like you, you got, you know, you're, you're, you're headed the right direction. And that was very much, he wasn't, didn't give him a big hug. Then it was being like the fact that Sam wanted to honor him and did above, went above and beyond to make sure that his story would always live on because it was still important. He, and again, Sam felt it was important enough. Right. The Captain America felt it was important enough to put in there, and people knew that the, that Steve wasn't the only super soldier. And again, that's very much like at the comic books. It, it was very much a big deal that you know Steve wasn't, and it, it affected Steve um, very much in the comic books. But to see it in this context of the MCU, it was very powerful to have Sam Wilson be the one to you know bring you know kind of bring that to light and under, and people to understand who this person is, and it made sense. It was the new Captain America. It was a, a really great moment. I, I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was great. Yeah, well, it's Sam getting the spotlight in a way that I mean, it's certainly going to be there are going to be negatives that come with it sam goes into this knowing full well as he says in his speech there are millions of people who are going to hate him for picking up the shield but there are also a lot of people who love him for picking up the shield and are inspired by him picking up the shield but more importantly what he says and he does as he is captain america but isaiah bradley just never had that opportunity he only got the hate he never had a chance to be loved as a super soldier and as a captain america or anything like that, like that opportunity was completely denied. Not that he was necessarily seeking it out, but he deserved it and never got it. And worse than that, 
everything he had done was just erased. And so for Sam to know as well, because it, there's a risk there, right? Because Isaiah Bradley had told Bucky previously and then told Sam that he didn't want his story out there, that he just wanted to be left dead and buried so that that way nobody would ever come after him again. For Sam to to know that there was still obviously a part of Isaiah Bradley that that wanted to have his story told. Nobody wants to be, you know, people don't want to be erased. People don't want to have their life turned into something as if it never existed or, or never mattered. That for Sam to say that, look, you mattered to me, you mattered to the world, whether they knew it or not, you matter, you, you mattered, you still matter. And so your life, you know, deserves to be seen, your story deserves to be told, and, and here it is. And obviously Isaiah Bradley um, embraced that when he saw it from what Sam had done and, and, and absolutely loved it and was so uh, genuinely moved and, and touched by this gesture from Sam and, and everything that it means going forward. Um, it doesn't make up for everything that was done to Isaiah. Nothing, really nothing ever could. Um, but it points to, as Sam is trying to do as Captain America, that we can't erase what's happened, nor would we want to try to or, or cover up what's happened, that there is ugliness within our history and even within our present. But we are pointing toward and we can make moves toward a a much better future because we can do better. And I think Sam lives by that example, which is why it comes across as so genuine when he says things like that, um, where even somebody who is cynical, like Isaiah Bradley was for such a long time, can start to believe again because of someone like Sam Wilson. So just a very powerful ending to the series. I know it's not the last shot, but it's the last big, heavy, emotional scene and then we go back home for the celebration. Sam posing with pictures as the new Captain America, but not in costume, just as Sam Wilson. Mm -hmm. uh, Bucky continues to be the kid's favorite. Uh, and then we get uh, the song On and On by uh, Curtis Harding that plays, also co-written by Samuel Cohen. Um, and then we see Sam and Bucky looking out over the water. We cut to our credits. And instead of saying the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it now says Captain America and the Winter mm -hmm. Soldier. So if we get another season of this at some point, I guess we know what title we can expect. Although I understand why they still use the name The Winter Soldier because it is popular and it is catchy and, and people like it. But and, and I know that Captain America and Bucky doesn't necessarily have the same ring to it or Captain America and the White Wolf doesn't necessarily have the, the, the mm. same ring to it. But I'm like, didn't Bucky just move on from being The Winter Soldier and let go of his past as The Winter Soldier? I'm glad that the Falcon got his new identity as Captain America put into the title, but I, I I don't know that I love that the Winter Soldier is still in the title because we didn't see Bucky embrace the Winter Soldier as a positive. It was a past that he made amends for and moved on from. So um, I'm all about the Captain America part of it. I, I'm not as in love with the Winter Soldier part of it, um, but oh well. Uh, but, it's, but either way, what really matters though is of course, you know, the biggest thing is, yeah, we have a new Captain America, which this title represents. That was very, very, very well done and having it say Captain America and, and, and Winter Soldier. And I I understand why you're like, it doesn't really make sense from a thematic standpoint, but from a comic book sure. uh, person like yeah. myself, and, and I I love it. I love the, the name Winter Soldier, and I love the, the character like this, from the comic books. I love this version of uh, that Sebastian Stannis has. And at the same time, um, I'm like... Yeah, you could, you could you could adapt the name, you know, or adopt the name White Wolf, I guess. But it just wouldn't. Like, just, I don't know. It just doesn't really roll off, roll off as better as Winter Soldier is just a cool name, and 
it does represent a an evil side of him, but you know, that could be the next season, right? Where he, you know, it's like, you know, what do you want to be? He's like, I want to use Winter Soldier for good because it's it's got this negative turn, you know, whatever. You could you could twist it to that, and I think it, I think you could make it work because Bucky could become his own person, and or you could go by Bucky and just leave it as his as his code name and just, you know, leave it. I mean, I really hope not, though. I mean, I think he made amends. He let go of the book. Sure. I think it's time for him to let go of the Winter Soldier, and I think he let go of the Winter sure. Soldier in this. Now you could say that no matter how emotionally healthy he might be that and despite all the progress he's made that the world is not going to let him forget that he's the winter soldier and so it's still going to be a part of him and and i can go along with that but and yes i agree with you it's a cooler name than than anything else so i'm i'm okay with it on that level but thematically it doesn't quite work but also i think the other issue that i'm more willing or the other point that i'm more willing to buy on this is that if you change the title for both characters, it takes away from really the emergence mm. of Sam Wilson as go. Captain America. And that's the point of emphasis that there really should be. So yeah. I'll go ahead and I'll accept it on Fair that enough. level. Um, and then we'll see what the next story is uh, is called, whether that's a movie or that's another season of a Disney Plus series. But that's for a Patreon credit scene to decide. Uh, yes. We will wrap up this spoiler review by discussing the tag the mid credit scene where Sharon gets a pardon and her old job back because the Carter name has always been synonymous with service and trust, and she actually gets called Agent Carter by that senator. Welcome home, Agent Carter. So uh, as she walks out, now she's ready to sell secrets, prototype weapons, and, and whatever, since super soldiers are off the menu, as she says. The mid credit scene just didn't have the impact for me that it otherwise would have or could have because I, I just didn't really care that much about this storyline of her being the power broker. So the way the role that she played in this series or lack thereof, because uh, it just didn't feel significant. It didn't come across as anything all that meaningful or, or entertaining or whatever throughout this series that it just made this mid credit scene just feel like, eh. and normally these tags, whether it's in a movie or a Disney plus series, like the ones we got with WandaVision, Normally, it's a very exciting sort of thing, but this time it was like, eh, it's fine, I, I, I guess. Um, but it, it didn't have the, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't emerge from this feeling like I can't wait to see what Sharon does next because it almost feels, it almost feels less significant than what she was doing. Like before, she was developing and getting ready to sell the super soldier serum. Now she's just selling government secrets and, and prototype weapons. I mean, that's pretty basic as far as spy villains go. So I'm like, eh, that doesn't really feel all that great to me. What I, the strongest feeling that I had though, coming out of this mid credit scene, is I was like, oh boy, I really hope she is not the villain of the next season of this or like the next story that we get with Captain America or Bucky. I don't want the power broker to be like the main villain or even another like supporting villain in this thing she can go somewhere else. And I know the theories are out there that, Hey, she's a scroll. And that explains why she's so different now. Great. If that's what she is, I'm totally on board with that. Cause then you could put her in secret invasion and she could play a small part in that and then just resolve her storyline, whatever that is. I'm just not that excited about the power broker or some sort of big villain in the MCU. She just doesn't feel that she, that significance just hasn't come across to me. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this before, and yeah, this is this screams to me 
I thought maybe she might the power broker might be in working with Thunderbolt Ross or or Val, but it definitely feels it's been switched. It definitely feels that Val might be the one who's going to be orchestrating the Thunderbolts, mm-hmm. maybe with Ross. I don't know. And and now it looks like Agent Thirteen really is you know the power broker and. Who knows? And the way she's acted in the series, it makes the most sense that like it would be a scroll, and that if we're doing if we're going the secret invasion route, then that means they've like captured the real hero, and the the real hero is you know or somewhere else, and whatever doesn't know what's going on, whatever. And that'd make the most sense. I I like like you, Sean, and I I will say this: I'm like you that I don't really care about this. This is the weakest uh, mid credit scene ever. What I do think, though, is that there is some redeemable. Th- if if she is somehow tied and they use her, not her specifically, but they use a story thread through the power broker to tell some awesome other stuff or set other things up in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe, um, I'll forgive it more. But right now, on this, uh, as it's on its own, on it's just not that interesting, and I just don't really care. I mean, I'm I'd much rather see what Val's up to. And, you know, but keep it in your head. And, you know, and, and that's the thing. Like, I'd rather see what she's going on than anything that Agent Car- Agent 13 has to throw at us. So uh, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's fine. It's there. Okay. But I, if the plan is that she's going to be a major antagonist in the next Captain America story, whatever that is, I hope they call an audible because I just don't think it's working in the more we've gotten of it, the less that it's worked for me. And I I just, I don't have enough interest And they might be able to build interest through other things. Like whether she's a scroll or not, they might be able to make her more interesting again, her storyline more interesting. I don't know that that really changes or redeems this as kind of the, the glaring flaw of this otherwise terrific series. So I'm not really interested in seeing this through, but if she's a scroll, at least it makes things make, a little more sense, but also what I'd be more excited about is we know the casting, a lot of the casting news for Secret Invasion. And so that would suggest to me that, yeah, the power broker is a scroll, but not necessarily the most significant or at least the sharing or at least as Sharon Carter, not necessarily the most significant. And so ha- have another bit part and then resolve this storyline and be done with it because I'm just really not that interested in seeing how it plays out. But maybe they'll be able to turn it around eventually. It's just too late for this installment. But I don't want to end on that note as we complete our spoiler coverage of the Falcon, the Winter Soldier, or now Captain America and the Winter Soldier, because this series, even though there is that that flaw, like as in the overall picture, in the bigger picture of this series, it's not that significant. When we look at everything this story needed to do thematically, as well as what it was doing for the individual characters of Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes as well as John Walker and and somebody we maybe didn't expect as much from going into uh, the very beginning of the series with Carly Morgenthau. I thought this series did right by those characters, especially Sam and Bucky. And I just, I absolutely loved it. I, I think this series was essential. I think this series was very honest and very genuine in how it approached its very complicated subject matter that you know puts things in spaces and and address and goes over topics and and confronts them head on topics that people aren't always comfortable or, reg, or quite often are not comfortable talking about and for Marvel to go there in and the head writer Malcolm Spellman and the rest and Kari Skogel the director the rest of the creative team having that willingness to go there as 
the most mainstream form of pop culture that there is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, with as wildly popular as it is in this specific series, to really approach it in an honest way that doesn't present anything as an oversimplified solution and, and say that there are easy answers, but to call out problems and and point to, uh, but but still point to a sense of optimism in our ability collectively to come together and and do better to maybe actually improve upon these things. Not that it's going to be easy, not that there are obvious answers of how everything's going to get fixed, but to really present that will, the, the belief that we can do and be better and present us with a challenge to actually go about doing that. Um, I, I think there's a lot of tremendous value in what this story has presented and, and these characters, uh, especially our new Captain America, Sam Wilson. So I, I love the Falcon Winter Soldier. I, I think it's a huge win for Marvel. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Sean. I, I think this series was definitely uh, I pref- I'm my favorite between uh, WandaVision and this show at, at this point. And it lived up to everything I wanted, to be honest. And I loved getting what I wanted. And it was great. And this was, I think, important from the MCU standpoint. I think from a real world standpoint, it, it's just it was very fitting for so many different levels. And it, again, it lived up to everything I wanted it to be and seeing uh, Sam Wilson as Captain America was really, really cool. So I, uh, I loved it. It's, it might be one of my favorite pieces of MCU ever. Um, you know, if we're talking about, you know, just storylines, you know, we can't talk about things as just, uh, movies anymore. Right. It's right. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's literally, it's now just stories because whether that story is, you know, four hours long or two hours long, you know, it, I think we're, you know, and, and that's maybe not the most fair thing to judge things by, but regardless, um, this could be in my, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I live with it a little bit more. But well, I when you're it. talking about favorites, you don't have to be fair. Well, you know what I mean. I know. As far as, you know, what, how we want to judge things as or sure. whatever. But, but I will say, I don't know if it's maybe in my top five, but it, I wouldn't be shocked if it ended up being in there because there's so much in here that I love that the, I read that I loved in the comic books that are all woven in together that's not again a big jumbled mess but a really thought out um well-written series that weaved in elements from those comics that i love these stories that i loved and really made them like almost better because of all the real world stuff that's going on and in just taking those ideas and themes and in in twisting them a little or and changing them a little bit to making them more relevant and just a lot more topical and being more effective, I think, in that way, in that way. So amazing series. I, again, I need to revisit a little bit more, but I, it just shows you enough that the fact that I'm revisiting it, it's a big deal of my time these days. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, this is a phenomenal series. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it as well. I'm sticking to my policy of not ranking anything that's brand new because who knows where it's going to settle in. In general, I don't really care for rankings as much anyway, just other than like purely for fun. Uh, so I, I don't know yeah. where Falcon and Winter Soldier will or Captain America and the Winter Soldier will ultimately fall for me. I just know that in the first run through this series and, and I've seen each episode at least three or four times by now, including the the finale. I've really loved this series and it's been such a treat and so wonderful to see and hear Sam Wilson as Captain America so that wraps up our spoiler reviews of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But before we get out of here, got some folks to thank. Thank you very much to Juan B., Aiden, 
Johan I, Aaron, Karina C, Nate B, Jeffrey D, and Julie S. They are some of the latest patrons at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, which means they have uh, access to exclusive podcasts like Patreon credit scenes. And the one that we have for episode 200 is jam-packed as we're going to be talking about the Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings teaser trailer. We're going to be talking about Captain America 4 being in development, as well as some exciting casting news for Secret Invasion. So for more information on that, please visit patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R, or just hit the link in our show notes. And then make sure you're following us in all those places you can. We're at MCU Fan Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Paul, where can everybody find you? Find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also, please uh, go to my YouTube page, The Comic Binge. Uh, subscribe and like a bunch of videos. Uh, I just dropped a brand new MCU required reading uh, video. It's a little bit shorter. Um, basically, give you a couple storylines to go read and binge. And then uh, Chris Clow and I are going to be doing a longer, deep discussion on both of my storylines that I, I, I suggested in the video on this coming Tuesday. So if you like short, sweet videos... You know, check it out if you like short and sweet and you like long in-depth stuff. I've got a longer live stream coming up on Tuesday, the 27th, uh, 7.30 Pacific time if you want to join us. Um, but you also will get that on a podcast feed and YouTube as well. So please check me out on the Comic Binge YouTube uh, channel and subscribe there. And thank you uh, for those who have already done it. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thank you for listening to this 200th episode of the MCU Fan Show. We'll see you for 201.